turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Man, we are hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day. We're Wednesday and we're closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. And uh, today, a couple of really serious topics. Another hour, maybe a kind of a easygoing hour. I don't know. We'll have to see how it all goes. Ryan Norris is going to join us right off the bat, state director here in Arkansas of Americans for Prosperity. And we're going to talk about prison reform. That's something that has been going on in uh, Washington, D.C. for the last about year and a half. The president has uh, taken point Mm -hmm. somewhat on this. Uh, You've seen, you know, what I like about that I think is very interesting about this president is a lot of people say uh, it's his way or the highway, and uh, he does only he's only ap- uh, appealing to certain portions of the American public. Well, let me tell you what: a couple of weeks ago, uh, dealing with prison reform, Van Jones was in the Oval Office. Yes. Now, when's the last time you thought you'd ever hear that name again? <laughs> In the Oval Office, probably never. I didn't expect right. it, but he was there backing the president. Yes, yes. Uh, Van Jones uh, has has been in there, and just a strange bedfellows of individuals has kind of come together uh, around this issue. It's a bi- definitely a bipartisan issue. When you have the House, uh, and we all know how the House acts uh, amongst itself, you had a uh, House vote of 360 to 59 for the First Step Act House version. That's pretty close. To, uh, that's as close to bipartisan as you're going to yeah. get in the House. I mean, seriously, I mean, you can't get more bipartisan if you've got Van Jones and some of the other people that were in there that are hardcore conservatives yes. all together in the same room agreeing on an issue. Right. And you have co-sponsors like Rand Paul. So you juxtapose Rand Paul to someone like Van Jones and it just it makes it gives you pause to seriously consider what they're saying and why they're why they're coming to the table together. Uh, and again, bipartisan, it has different people are coming to the table for sometimes different reasons, but the outcome that they're all shooting for is 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 the same. Okay, so let me throw in another part of this bipartisan working together. The Koch brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought Van Jones and the Koch brothers would be talking to each other? Right. And yet here here we are all standing shoulder to shoulder yes. going, hey, we have to have something done. Now, the question is, is it why? Why does something need to be done? A lot of times people are disconnected from uh, from this issue. And, uh, and, you know, up until maybe a few months ago, even I myself may was – thinking that criminal justice reform was only about civil asset forfeiture when you know government takes your stuff without charging you and mm-hmm. then you have to fight to get it back, that kind of thing. But it's definitely expanded as I have made more and more friends, both in center-right and center-left, who are 
who are working in this space. But, for example, a, a personal story is that we're, we've been involved with is uh, the story of Matthew Charles from Nashville, Tennessee. Back in uh, the 90s, he's busted for crack cocaine, um, has a 35-year sentence due to mandatory minimum, minimums because crack cocaine was a h- higher sentence than the demon drug than cocaine itself. Yeah. And so he was given that 100 to 1 disparity uh, on that. And um, 21 years in on a 35-year sentence, gets released. It's later determined that he was released in error. So he has a house. He has a car. He has a, a girlfriend. He has a job. He's volunteering in his church, in his community, model citizen, the kind of person that you want to have in your community that has a story to tell that I made a bad decision and I overcame it. And I turned my life I turned around. my life around. I transformed myself. And then it comes that uh, Judge Kevin Sharp is put in charge of discovering this error and then says, I don't want to, we don't, we don't want this guy back. This guy's per- perfect example of what we want to have the outcome Happen. of our prison system Correct. be. And yet they had to rearrest him and put him back in there for his 35 year sentence. And Kevin Sharp leaves the federal judgeship and becomes an advocate for criminal justice reform and has been one of those sitting at the table with Van Jones, with uh, Mark Holden, uh, of uh, Americans for Prosperity to sit there and say, we've got to make changes. These, this just isn't right. If we're having model citizens come out and then we're due to these mandatories that are, you know, need to be corrected, um, putting them back in, that's that's not justice. So is this guy still in prison now? He is. Yes. And we're working on that. Uh, he's we're we're trying to lobby the president to see if uh, there's something they can maybe do through presidential pardon. Yeah, et that'd be about the only way you get the guy out. Right. And so that's what the First Step Act at the federal level is trying to uh, is trying to correct is some of these these issues and these disparities. For example, uh, the sentencing seems to be the most sticky part of it there's sentencing reform in the senate bill there's also uh, rehabilitation and uh, re-entry slash uh, recidivism uh, reduction programs that are that we'd like to see created through this bill so that from day one someone is going through and having their their core values and beliefs reprogrammed to be right. a productive citizen. And that's what's interesting is that some people try to downplay uh, that, oh, well, if you just pay, go and get together a group of people and play softball, I guess that gets to count towards you know good behavior. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about looking people eyeball to eyeball saying your decisions up until this point and the thought models you've had to this point have not served you well or else you wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. It's time to transform. Think of Think in terms of a better way. Move away from the oh, my life has been terrible and I had no other decisions but to make the decisions I made. Instead, look at this is where I'd like my life to be and I'm going to start making the choices and exhibiting the behaviors necessary to get there. This is a bill that is steeped in the idea of transformational uh, transformational thinking, transformation of an entire life. Now, this, isn't that what... They'd moved to after, you know, the 20s, 30s, where it was all punishment, punishment, punishment. And suddenly there was a, a different thought process that started in the, the federal penal uh, system where they wanted to be able to go. And instead of locking people up and having to pay to keep them there, mm-hmm. figure out a way to 
make it so they can get out and make a life for themselves. Right. And so when you think of how much we invest in a federal prisoner, uh, it's about $32,000 a year. That's so expensive. That's, yeah, that's expensive. And so when you think about that, and ni- up to 85 to 95% of them will be released, they will come back into our communities. Do you not want a person reentering into your community that is a law-abiding, productive citizen of your community. That's what you want, right? You can't just think in terms of the the public safety is number one issue, yes. But there's more to public safety than just locking them away. What happens when they get released? Will they be a more hardened criminal because there wasn't the program in there? There wasn't the challenge of their belief systems in there? There wasn't the opportunity for redemption in there? That's That's what we want. We want to see this transformational uh, starting from day one, and First Step Act does cover that. All right. We come back. We'll talk further with Ryan Norris. He's the state chairman of Americans for Prosperity here in Arkansas. we got a lot more to talk about. Not everybody is on board with this. We'll right. talk about that as well on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, Ryan Norris, my special guest. He'll be with us. I'm going to try to keep him here until about 10 till. Okay, I think he's got something coming up at 3 o'clock he's got to be at. I'll keep him here right to the last millisecond that we can keep him here. Because there's a lot to talk about this. There is. What seems to be – there are people who are against this. Yes. One of them is our own junior senator, Tom Cotton. He's been speaking out against it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what seems to be his heartburn with this? A lot of it comes from the idea of the sentencing reforms. And uh, just some, what we would say, just mischaracterizations of that. Uh, The sentencing reforms are for pending and future sentencing. It it doesn't retroact, except in the area that we're asking for a change to be made to that 1986 law to where the crack cocaine and the cocaine were put at massively different levels. It was 100 to 1. So if you had 500 grams of cocaine, you would get five years. If you had... Um, five grams of crack cocaine, you got the same amount, okay? That has been found to be counterproductive to our communities. It resulted in a lot of uh, devastation to families in uh, in inner cities. And when you look at what it was a result of, it was a result of fear, yes, of you know what was happening to communities with the drug epidemic in the 80s. But then again, it wasn't based on facts and reality and that's what we the first step back is really pushed at is setting up assessment programs that say this individual may have made a bad decision yes but a person is valued higher than the worst decision that they've ever made or the worst thing that the, that they've ever done mm-hmm. and you can look at that person and find out just like in with matthew charles's situation crack cocaine busted 35 years mandatory sentence is released in error, and during that period of time, what did he do? He totally trans- had his life transformed. So how long was he out when they came back and said, we got to put you back in? I want to say it was like about, I think it was like a two-year period. Wow. Yeah, and so he's out, and he's like a grandfather and all these wonderful things, and then his life is, is taken back into prison. And um, so, again, just – to show that there's a human component to this. This isn't just about lock lock them up. Uh, we have, you know, we we have individuals in 
in our state, in our government even, who have been touched by this by the issues of drugs and by the issues of uh, having their loved ones intersect with the justice system. Mm-hmm. And it's when you get to meet these individuals on a person-to-person basis and you're talking to them, they're not different than you and I, particularly on the drug issues. They're just people with drug problems. They don't want to be anything but an accepted member of, of their community. I, I have probably 30 or 40 conversations that I've had with individuals that are in the process of transforming their life. A little help from, the, from nonprofit groups has gone a long way. But if we could put into place uh, something like the First Step Act is asking for with day one rehabilitation that covers you know, drug and substance abuse, alcohol abuse, uh, mental health issues – on the inside, the product that you will have when they are released is going to be someone you do not mind living next door to. Mm-hmm. You know, because these people that I see now, if you didn't know their story, you wouldn't have ever thought that they ever had a time that they were involved, justice involved. Well, I mean, you look at me, you wouldn't think that I was the party animal that I was back in the 70s. Right. Right. You're, you're not that person. So the person that Matthew uh, Charles is today is not the same Matthew Charles that he was 20-plus years ago. Okay, so let, let's – I want to get this clear for my listeners. Uh, we're not talking about guys that went out and used a gun in the commission of a crime and things of that nature. That That's totally different than what we're talking about. There are 50 exclusions to this, to this bill for individuals to be considered for, uh, like, good time credits. Okay. Uh, one of those areas is, did they – were they expressly – managing, uh, supervising, really involved in heroin or fentanyl use, is that is that we're looking We're not looking at maybe just the user. Mm-hmm. That's a different category than someone that's actually trying to do organized crime. Yeah, to making push money that. off of yeah. uh, pushing it. This yeah. also, uh, exclusions are like sex offenders, sex offenders, child pornography, intent to murder, those kind of things. 50 categories, you know, so that, that covers a lot. We're looking at those low-level, nonviolent uh, offenders. Uh, you do have situations that may be addressed in this to keep stacking from happening. If someone had done dr- had drugs uh, in a in a drug that they were buying drugs, there was a gun in their car. They could stack all of that on top. Had to run uh, consecutive, not concurrent. This is addressing things like that because it could. Uh, and in redressing it, it's for geared towards first-time offenders, not repeat offenders, but first-time offenders. So this is someone who's made a bad decision. And it just stacks it on top to where all of a sudden they've got a 55-year sentence as opposed to if it was just about what they were intending to do, the drug buy, it may have been five to ten years. You know, So those kind of things. So we're not talking about violent criminals. We're not talking about individuals who are a threat to the public safety. We're talking about individuals that have made bad decisions, particularly those that have made first-time bad decisions, and trying to put them on a better path and a better trajectory in their life than what they're currently on. Well, I've always thought that. You should look at, for instance, if the person you're looking to put into jail has been busted and they've got drugs on them and it's Mm -hmm. their first occasion, I think there needs to be something maybe mandatory, um, you know, putting them in a program of some kind, Mm -hmm. get them off of whatever it is they're off uh, on and and get them on, uh, you know, a, a better trajectory for their life. Now, if they come back again, you know, 
you may not get a, a second chance. Right. You may going to be spending quite a bit of time in the in the house for that. But is is this kind of what this is trying to say? And then if this works, how many people do they think this will? How many beds do they think this will? allow to become open uh, well, on for violent people. On one aspect of this, they're looking at, um, on the anti-drug side, if they were to do so, on the uh, disparity between crack cocaine and uh, cocaine, if they were to retroactively uh, change that, there was about 2,600 offenders in the federal system that that would, that would be eligible. And again, it doesn't mean that it changes and then Im- immediately those individuals come out. We're talking about they, they, would, they would be assessed, they would, you know, a risk assessment, you know, low, a medium, or minimum, low, medium, and high. If you are min- minimum and low, you're eligible. If you are uh, medium and high, you're not. Which means they don't figure you're going. this stuff is going to take with you. Right. So they're cherry-picking the individuals based on uh, an assessment that they're asking the attorney general's office to create uh, that would, that within 180 days, that would allow for prisoners uh, to participate in these recidivism reduction programs. So this isn't just, oh, hey, the law changed, let everybody out. No, this is, again, going back and saying, let's assess them, get them in the right programs, and and then see see if they're eligible after. So there's a whole process involved in this. All right. It, it, from what I've read, uh, elected officials in the House seem to be a little bit more receptive to this than <laughs> people who are in the Senate. Am, am I uh, correct? Well, right now we believe that if Senator McConnell would bring the First Step Act to the floor, that we would have 60 votes. Oh, really? That's what we yeah. That's wow, what that's what we're impressive. seeing. We just recently had Susan Collins uh, was a no and is now a yes and is actually a uh, co-sponsor now. So what changed her mind? Talking reasonable, talking about evidence-based outcomes like changes. These changes are not new. They have been tried in Georgia at the state level. They've been tried in Texas at the state level, and they're reducing beds, seeing recidivism decrease, and and having safer communities. Crime is going down in Texas. And they're closing prisons. It seems to me, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, three years ago when I was at CPAC, mm-hmm. the Texas policy people came on, and this was one of their main uh, issues they were talking about. And right. evidently, yes, it's working. Yes, it is. And you and this was uh, during the time of uh, Governor Rick Perry. So you're yes. not talking about someone who is is. Uh, Light, you know, soft on crime. This no, is a hard not. on crime guy, <laughs> but he is he is smart on crime, and he figured out that if we give people who have the ability to change the right tools and the right supports, they can become productive citizens. I'm talking. We have I've met people right now that are very successful business people who were justice involved previously, and if if they hadn't had community that helped them, if they hadn't had support that helped them. It may have been different, but we're asking now that, hey, we need to put this into our prisons and let nonprofits. There's great work. In fact, uh, Prison Fellowship supports this this bill and, you know, Chuck Colson's group. So you're seeing even the uh, National Association of Evangelicals, the Right on Crime, National Governors Association, Association of Prosecuting Attorneys, Americans for Tax Reform, because $32,000 a year to house a federal inmate helps cut back on government spending if we're able to create a, a person that doesn't come back. Uh, the National District Attorneys Association and the Fraternal Order of Police, 
plus 24 authors and co-sponsors for this bill, and 172 former federal prosecutors are supporting the First Step Act. All right, we're going to come back, talk more about this. If you got a question, 823-0965. Ryan Norris is my guest from Americans for Prosperity. All right, right back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Ryan Norris, my guest, state director, Americans for Prosperity, uh, talking about prison reform. And uh, Rick, uh, my gunsmith friend over in Lone Oak, joins us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And hey, Rick, how are you? And uh, what's your uh, what's your point? Great, Dave. Yeah, you know, this prison reform, if, if I was a judge, these nonviolent offenders that come up there, I would would sentence these people to an education and say, you ain't, you're not getting out till you come before me and I'll give you a test. And if you pass the test, then we'll let you lose. I mean, th- there has to be something for them. I mean, we, we put them in jail. They don't learn anything. All they do is learn how to be better criminals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they don't have a high school education, they're sentenced to get one. Or uh, if they do have them, they're sentenced to a college education. And the same thing, if they want to go to tech school, we should sentence them to a tech school and tell them you get one chance at it. You screw up, you're going back to jail. <laughs> That's and kind of what, I, I think this is kind of what they're leaning towards with mm-hmm. this, Ryan. Is that right? Well, he makes a very good point on um, the, the need also for alternative sentencing, which uh, – not specifically in the First Step Act does it set up for alternative sentencing, but it does allow some judges' flexibility on sentencing. Uh, but alternative sentencing is very important. There are groups in the state, uh, such as Restore Hope, that are actively pushing uh, for programs that support alternative sentencing. So the judges have something that they can sentence someone to other than jail time or prison time. Uh, Also, starting, we believe, and a lot of folks in the uh, rehabilitation space believe, that it should start day one. And there are programs, I believe our state even has it, to where you have mandatory GEDs uh, in the, I believe it's in the ACC, maybe even the ADC. But yes, educating them, giving them tools to have make better decisions and support a better lifestyle in the future, that's what we kind of need to to move towards. There are also nonprofit groups that are happy to step into this space to help decrease the cost to government for that. Um, Americans for Prosperity, we have, have friends that are in this area, such as Safe Streets, Second Chances, Stand Together. There are other uh, groups out there that are supporting individuals in this. So, yeah, I think Rick's spot on about what we need. All right. There it- but if we don't if we don't do something, I mean, what's the point of putting them in jail for two years and then turn them loose and they're better criminals than they were when they went in? And then they come you know, and think, then they'll come back. Yeah. Yes, and I think these nonviolent offenders should be sentenced to something like that, so mm-hmm. that they're they're not going to jail. They're not spending two or three or four or five years in jail, mm-hmm. lifting weights. You know, they 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 need a purpose. Right, and and if, if they want to get out of jail, then they have to follow this discipline, because if they don't, then they can serve all their sentence. But I think if 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 they had some kind of a program like this, mm-hmm. especially with with uh, technical training, I mean, machinists, uh, welders, right? I mean, you know, welders make forty, fifty dollars an hour. A lot of them. Do. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys could be making good money with these disciplines, because I always hear this crap about people. You know, don't work. They go on welfare because they're too good to take a job. You know, they they we need the we need the Hispanics in here to take these jobs that nobody will do. Well, they should have grown up when I was growing up. 
you didn't have a choice about your job. You know, you did what you could do to to get get through life. Yep, mm-hmm. you're exactly yeah. right. All right, Rick, thanks a lot for calling. I appreciate you. I hope to see you here down thanks, down down the line. Okay, so Rick out of Lone Oak says uh, he thinks you guys are on on the right track. Now, my question is: this is all about federal. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there anything? Is there anything happening? Is it splintering off, and is this filtering down into into the states? I mean, this makes sense for uh, Arkansas as right. much as it does for everybody in the United States. Right. There are versions of the First Step Act that are being drafted for state-level reforms. Uh, we actually are very fortunate in our state to, to have individuals in our state government from the governor on down that are interested in criminal justice reform. Uh, I think something will be accomplished in 2019 uh, in this space. And in this space, it will be reforms are going to maintain public safety, be uh, more efficient use of our tax dollars, and also preventing or with the idea of preventing future crimes, future victims, future property damage, etc. So you're looking at uh, – the research has shown that for every dollar you spend in recidivism or rehabilitation uh, trainings, that there is $4 of future government savings made. Wow. We, we spend $22,000 – Roughly a year on our uh, our inmates, and they stay in for about four and a half years. So you're looking at almost a hundred thousand dollars per person sentenced to to the ADC. So if we could, and about eighty five percent of those are going to come back out, and a significant portion, one of the numbers is fifty six percent go back in. So if we could keep that fifty six percent number of going back in shrinking year over year, you're looking at millions of dollars in savings in that area and it's not just about the savings but imagine the value that is bound up like he said in these individuals like rick pointed out that if they were taught a trade what would that do to the gross domestic product of arkansas if you started producing welders and hvac folks and individuals that come out with a skill that our market needs here in arkansas you'd start seeing uh an an increase in our in our economy here all right so what else comes out of this besides you know getting a you know get out of jail card and do you get back uh right now if you're a felon and you come out you can't vote you can't own a firearm things of that nature do those type of things stay in place well in arkansas if you have uh paid all your fines and you've done your time and finished your parole and probation you do get your um your voting rights back. Okay. Uh, so that's that's one th- one thing. Uh, as far as firearms, we haven't delved in that area yet. But I would say this: if we have rights and it, it, that we believe to be inherent rights, we should be very cautious about taking them away from an individual in the first place. And if we do take them away, and they go through and they are transformed through through a system that works to rehabilitate them, we need to try to get those rights back to them when they deserve them back, is what I would say, on a, on a personal level for me. Uh, but that that is something that we that we need to look at. We need to re- take away the stigma because people have made bad decisions. We need to remove that stigma of oh you're an ex felon. There's no way I'm going to hire you, or there's no way I'm this because we're also seeing in research that. Uh, individuals who come out of the system who are truly rehabilitated become the best employees, that they are actually staying on the job longer, they have more to prove, 
They are they they're lower lower cost in sometimes in training because they've learned skills through uh, you know at in prisons. So lots of of benefits in this. And again, we're talking about individuals that would be assessed in regard to the first step act. Individuals that would be assessed uh, in such a way that they are determined not to be a a risk to the public safety. That's always going to be number one. Again, public safety is number one. Uh, but transformation of the individuals that we can transform should be be beginning day one. All right. We got to get you a break in when we come back. Ryan's going to explain how you can get up close and personal to the program. There's a special event coming up. He wants to talk to you about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM, The Answer. Okay, so I'm down with about uh, three or four minutes with Ryan here. He's mm-hmm. got to get out of here to get some – where you got to go? I have a meeting regarding, actually, a First Step Act at 3 o'clock. So. Where are you going to be? At? I mean, what part gonna, of town? I'm, I'm going to be in West Little Rock, our offices. Oh, so you just got to get on 630 and yeah. go. Yeah, 10 nope. minutes away. All right. We'll hold him until two minutes till. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. So let's talk about this event coming up on UCA. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is actually at UALR. Oh, pardon uh, me. UALR. Yes. On, on December 9th, this is Sunday, December 9th, 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Stella Boyle Smith Concert Hall uh, on the campus of the University of Arkansas, Little Rock. We will be hosting the First Step Act Town Hall reform for our prison system. Uh, in in the panel that we have, we have Congressman French Hill, uh, who voted for the First Step Act in the House version. He's going to be speaking about why he supports uh, prison reforms and criminal justice reforms. We also have Sheriff-elect Eric Higgins of Pulaski County. He'll be speaking about law enforcement's interest in criminal justice. Uh, we also have Paul Chapman of Restore Hope who has worked extensively in the area of reentry, but also is working in the area of alternative sentencing. Um, and then we also have Ruby Welch, who is a person who's been reentered okay. uh, from drug charges and is the ambassador for Cut 50, uh, Van Jones's group. And she's going to be there to kind of say, here's my perspective as to what, you know, why we need these reforms. And then you're going to be able to see law enforcement, see nonprofit groups such as uh, Paul Chapman's uh, group Restore Hope, and then also get to hear about why uh, Congressman French Hill supported um, the First Step Act at the federal level. All right. So French Hill supported it, but so did Westerman, so did Crawford, so did Womack. All, all of them, all four voted for the First Step Act. How, how, are, how are senators looking at it? Uh, Senator, Senator Cotton is is against it, yeah. and he's come out uh, very vocally against it. And uh, we we all can can agree to disagree on some things uh, regarding that. Uh, Senator Bozeman, who I've had conversations with, is thoughtfully considering uh, this bill. Uh, I think that there is enough of the evidence based reforms that have been measured to improve states such as Georgia and Texas to say, hey, I think that these reforms would work at a federal level and would also work in other states. So we're not just doing this and saying, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we were just kind to everybody? No, we're saying that evidence based reforms such as what's happened in Georgia and Texas work. We now have a track record to show that they work and we need to do that at the federal level. All right. So you're promising me. That we will never have to sing Kumbaya during this. Uh, I will not make you sing Kumbaya all right. at all. all right. <laughs> but we would love to have everybody uh, that would be interested. Uh, First Step Act Town Hall reform for our prison system. You can go to uh, our website at AFP on on Facebook, yeah. and uh, we'll have information. We have Facebook ads that'll be going. Uh, you can contact uh, me at five zero one five one five. 
uh, 2195, and I'd be happy to direct you where you need to be. But just show up 630, uh, December the 9th. Uh, at Stella Boyle Smith Concert Hall at UALR. That's a week from this Sunday. Yes. That it's going to be happening, all right? So you'll want to go to it, and you'll learn more, and you're going to have a Q&A time, right? Yeah, uh, question and answer time with all of the panelists. Uh, We'll also have some uh, light refreshments there, Um, so hopefully spur some conversations. Meet people from across the political spectrum that you didn't think you may agree Uh, with on things. You will meet people from a totally leftist point of view, they can get behind this. And, and many of them are becoming becoming friends, good friends and acquaintances. That's of mine. good. So, you know, let's we can actually all get around this. When you have 360 House members vote for it, and when you have, we believe, 60 uh, members of the Senate that would support this if, if Mitch McConnell would bring it to the floor, you're looking at as close to a bipartisan effort as you can sure. get. And we're not sure we have the shot after January 1, because what does a divided government do? Yeah slows and stalls things so we are wanting to get this to the floor before they leave for december holiday so okay so you expect it to happen before the 25th then that's a holiday is probably going to be a little before the week of of that week so i've had 25th 20th yeah to the 21st yeah 21st so um so if you're let's see if i can get french on to talk about it yeah, that'd be wonderful. And if you're interested in reaching out to Senator Bozeman's office and asking him to support this reform, uh, you can call his Senate office at 202-224-4843 and just say, hey, I'm an Arkansan. I've been touched. You know, I'm I'm interested in this. My, and uh, I would like to see the First Step uh, Act brought to the floor. And we would appreciate it if you'd support it. All right. We appreciate you, Ryan. Thanks for coming. He came in on very short notice. I called him on my way to lunch and I had heard. They were going to talk about this, and I said, you got to come on and talk about all of this. And he says, I go, uh, 2 o'clock? I said, 3 o'clock first. And he says, I've got another meeting. I said, 2 o'clock? And he says, yeah, I can do 2. I said, I'll see you there. <laughs> I all appreciate right. the opportunity, Dave. Make Thank your you. way to your other meeting. All right. We appreciate, appreciate it. We'll have you on again. All right. Ryan Norris, he's the uh, state director for Americans for Prosperity here in Arkansas. And I hope that this, if it gets passed, uh, before Christmas that maybe we'll see something happen here in the state uh, as well. It's I think it is a good program. Look, we're always talking about, uh, you know, prison overcrowding and things of that nature. It seems to me if you have a program that can, you know, give us some good information about an inmate that you – your information says should be able to return to the um, normal, uh, you know, abilities of having their own life, then it seems to me you should do it. And we'll have one more bed available for those people that aren't going to do it, who are violent offenders, and you can put them in that bed and you can keep them there. Uh, and we're not. Maybe we can stick stay away from having to build a uh, another prison somewhere. Uh, I'm not saying make it easy to get them out. And that's not what I'm saying. I don't think that that's what first step says. There's a whole lot of steps you got to go through to be able to uh, use this program to be able to get into the program first, go through the program, and then be able to uh, to get out and. Um, I had uh, some uh, audio of uh, Cinder Cotton talking about fentanyl, and uh, 
he wouldn't have to worry about this. It's, it's in the it's in the uh, the law. I saw the wording myself saying that uh, this wouldn't cut any slack for fentanyl or heroin dealers. They don't get to get into the program. Uh, that that's uh, an absolute must that they could not access this uh, this program. Not even if they just sold a little bit. All right, if you sell heroin, you sell fentanyl, you've poisoned the well, so to speak. Had somebody send me a uh, uh, and a uh, a text. This came from uh, Amy. She's on the right view on Thursdays. You'll hear from her tomorrow. I agree with Ryan. What good is it to have a trade or a particular skill uh, set and then be coming out of of prison, jail, uh, if when a person applies for a job, the potential employer sees on a job application that someone is a convicted felon. The well is immediately poisoned before a potential employee even steps into the job interview. And I understand uh, the point there, although I think that if somebody comes to a job interview and uh, they are a, a a felon that uh, has gotten out of prison, uh, that uh, that has to be disclosed because of transparency reasons. But perhaps if they go through this program, they should have some kind of way of telling the employer that I'm not your typical, you know, jailbird that just got out. I, uh, I've proven that I'm ready to uh, put uh, my responsibilities as a member of society back on my shoulders, and this time I intend to do it right. I just say this is great. And for people who think that, you know, two sides can't come uh, together on something, there you have a perfect example that that's not necessarily true. As as uh, Ryan was uh, sharing with you, he's made friends working on this on the state level that he never thought he was going to make. And when you got Rand Paul supporting something that Van Jones supports as well, that's bipartisan, no doubt at all. That's big-time bipartisan, and that's that's a good thing. It should go a, a ways in, in, in showing all of us that, you know, there are ways to uh, come together and compromise and both sides get what they're basically looking for you may not get a hundred percent it may not say verbiage wise exactly what you want to be said but both sides might lose a little bit both sides may gain a little bit that's what compromise is all about and you can put together in a coalition something that ends up getting passed by the house and the senate so we'll keep our fingers crossed we'll keep an eye out on uh mitch mcconnell when he calls up the first step uh, in the United States Senate. Uh, As you heard Ryan say, they think they can get 60 votes. They get 60 votes, it's a done done deal. No doubt about it. It would be a done deal at that point. All right, with that said, we come back next hour. We'll be talking about what's going on in the wonderful world of news. Got some more stuff to talk about dealing with uh, immigration, some other things as well. When we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, the answer news is coming up next. All right, so uh, evidently the Fed coming out today and saying that uh, interest rates were near or at the neutral point, which means 
the Fed likes to use the term neutral when they're happy where interest rates are at, uh, has just added jet fuel and rocket fuel to the stock market today. Looking at uh, numbers right now, the Dow Jones is up 617.7, almost 2.5%. The NASDAQ is up 209. That's nearly 3%. And the uh, S&P 500 is up 61.61 for uh, an increase of 2.25%. So uh, stock market having a good day today. And that's what happens when people in high places say things. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the head of the Fed made a statement that uh, they thought money was too cheap and they were going to have to raise rates and maybe several more times over the next few months. And we went into that free fall for two weeks and really, you know, set the stock market reeling. Now, with that looking better today, I'll tell you what else is looking better. I don't know if you've noticed this, Russ, but gas prices are way down. I mean, way down. I remember during the summer, I think the highest I saw gas prices was two fifty nine, and that's pretty that's pretty stiff when you were used to paying under two dollars, you know, for a long time, and now. Uh, we've had this glut of oil that's on the market, and gas prices have fallen again. Uh, although they're not as low as places in Texas and Oklahoma, my uh, son sent me a picture from Texas on Friday, and uh, the gas uh, of a gas pump, and the price of uh, unleaded was one eighty five, where he was at. And he said most places were around the 190 mark where he was at. So that that may be something we'll get to see get here. I know that I was talking to a friend today, and they they were they were a crowing about how they only paid two dollars and fifteen cents for gas, and they were really excited. I went to the Murphy at Walmart today in Cabot and paid two o four. So I I filled up my tank. Uh, considerably quite a bit uh, of Zach gas. says he paid 211 I was at up at Sam's in West Little Rock and it was below two dollars it was below two dollars oh yeah my wife paid it below two dollars out there off of Bowman yeah oh then I'll be going there sometime once you, this once week. you get your disc once you get your nickel discount on yeah. there it's below two dollars a gallon very I don't know what cool. it is right now but yeah that's what it was the yesterday when she went I know I paid like I said today I paid at the Murphy right there in Cabot 204 and I'm trying to think Kroger once you get if you take your three cents off is 205 in Cabot as is the um I'm trying to think the Valero uh, that's on 89 as well is at 205 so you know gas that's that's something kind of nice to have happen uh here as we move in towards the christmas season we've got what four weeks till christmas basically let's say you do two two fill-ups a, uh, a week and you're saving three or four dollars per fill-up that's somebody's christmas present i'm just saying i mean that's that's the way I live my life. I don't know about everybody else, but I live my life that way. I, I People tell me, 
well, Dave, it's it's a nickel cheaper. And I say, yeah, you add those nickels up and you got yourself a gallon of milk. Because milk, by the way, is much more expensive than gasoline is. Never thought I'd see that day either. I mean, I remember when you go, it would be the lost leader at like Kroger or or Sam's or something. It'd be like 95 cents a gallon. I think the cheapest I've paid now for for milk is $3.29. It's pretty pretty stiff, especially when I got a two-year-old grandson that lives at my house and can knock off a gallon of milk in two days. He likes moo juice. What can I tell you? I haven't told him what moo juice is yet. That might change it. They change it when he finds out that that's just moo sweat. That's kind of moo sweat. That's what you should call it. All right. So anyway. Did you just say moose sweat? Sweat. Yeah. It's kind of like. I have no, I know what moose muck is. Okay. Well, milk is part perspiration. Yeah, okay. I know that'll make you run out and get a nice cold glass of milk now. <laughs> one no of, comment. One of those pictures that, you know, they take and it's sitting on the counter and the condensation's running on the outside. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. We need and to move got on. milk. <laughs> Have they given up on that uh, advertising campaign? They're not doing the, the milk mustache anymore? I hadn't seen it in a long time. I used to love that stuff. You know, they get all the different people. And I, I don't, to this day, I do not, not believe that that was really milk. That was a paintbrush and white paint. I'm just telling you. A little too thick to be milk. Yeah, yeah, which makes me really get worried about it. But the bottom line is you got to be careful about those milk mustaches because that don't look like milk to me. I'm looking at Rush Rush just staring back at me saying, I'm not biting on that hook, Dave. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 13 minutes after 3. Let's go ahead and get our break in when we come back. Uh, let's hear from Marco Rubio, MSNBC, and Mike Huckabee about the migrant thing that's going on on our border. By the way, uh, some Democrats now are saying the president will get his $5 billion because they don't want to shut down uh, the government. They want to make sure it stays open and uh, because that, that's not how they want to go into the, the new year. That means $5 billion for the wall. More to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, the answer. Let's talk about uh, the latest uh, stuff going on about uh, the immigration situation. So, uh, first cut I got is uh, Senator Marco Rubio from uh, Florida talking about the violence by the uh, migrants and uh, the use of tear gas. And here's what Senator had to say. Hi, President Trump vowing to crack down on border security. As DHS estimates, we can currently expect 10,000 migrants at our doorstep in a matter of weeks. So what does Congress need to do? Florida GOP Senator Marco Rubio is all over this. The son of two immigrants himself who has also worked hard on immigration reform, some type of compromise. Senator, what do you think this weekend's surge at our border does for this issue? 
Well, ho- hopefully it makes people pay more attention to the catastrophe that we have on our hands with regards to all this. Let's begin with a simple predicate. We are a nation that has always welcomed immigrants. We continue to welcome immigrants. We want to welcome immigrants into the United States. There has to be a process for immigration, a process that controls the number of people, who they are, we know more about them, the pace in which they enter, how many people every year. There has to be a process for that, just like there is for charity, like there is for anything. There has to be a process for people to access generosity. What's happening in the border is a deliberate effort uh, to uh, test that system and to tr- sort of create a crisis around it. And, and I think what you saw this weekend, look, I saw the images. No, I don't want to see images of kids being hit with tear gas and, and, and uh, women and people running from that. No one likes those images. What they didn't take pictures of is the hundreds and hundreds of people that were not women and were not children who were throwing rocks and bottles at, at law enforcement authorities. And by the way, they weren't just attacking U.S. border security. They were also attacking Mexican authorities on the other side. Now, I'm not saying that's everybody there. I'm saying that's enough people there that it warranted the response that you saw to get control of the situation. So what we need to do now, we need physical barriers on the border that allow us to control the flow of traffic. And uh, we also need, by the way, one of the best things that we can do, if possible, and we're going to have to reexamine what we're doing about it now, is help countries like Honduras and Guatemala deal with the reasons why people are leaving in the first place. That's the ultimate border security. But in the short term, we have to have physical structures that protect our border and funnel traffic in a way that border security and authorities can, can track it better and control it better. All right, so, Senator, just to get clarification, for people who watched those images and took different things from it, just know it's not unique. There was just video there. In 2012, the President Obama administration used uh, tear gas 26 times at the border. 2013, it's 27 times. In uh, 2014, 15 times. So now you have a situation where the numbers just about line up here in 2018. So it's not new. So if Democrats and Republicans really know this and don't want to play politics with this, what can we expect in this lame duck session? The president wants $5 billion for the wall. Schumer says, I'll go, I have $1.6 I'm looking to put for the wall. What's the reality? What can you come together on? Yeah, the thing is, people view this as, oh, well, if you take half, that should be enough. You need enough to finish it. It's like if I came to you and said, all right, I have a house for sale, but I'll only sell you the second floor, but not the first floor. And you're like, well, I can't have a second floor without a first floor. The wall's similar to that. Having a partial wall is not enough. This is a project. It's designed to flow traffic. What you want to do is you want to cut off areas where people can cross so that they can only cross in certain places. Yep. And then you can monitor those places. So if the wall is not built all 800 miles, if you don't have the entire entire system in place, none of it works. It's not one of those things where you can have half of it. Half of it is as good as none of it. And the purpose of a wall is not to keep people out per se, but to funnel the people that are allowed to come in to make sure they are entering through points of entry that we can monitor for everything from human trafficking to drugs and contraband right. and vice versa. And and, and, and so that, it's actually safer for everybody. That is the purpose of the wall. That's the reason why we have all those little barricades and stuff at TSA. So people have to walk through a line and you can monitor people when they walk to the line at the airport. It's a very similar concept. So there you have it. That's the uh, Senator Marco Rubio uh, from Florida. That's the most sense he's made in a while. Typically, he's been saying some really weird things, but today comes in with uh, a very smart uh, uh, statement that was from this morning on Fox and Friends. And and he's right. A half of a wall is no better than no wall. All right. It does. It does exactly the same thing. It doesn't do what is necessary. Uh, President saying he wants five billion dollars to build the whole thing. Schumer says I got one point six. He's going to have to. Schumer's going to have to work with the Republicans and and come up 
with the other, uh, what, 3.4. And they got to figure this out so you get five. Now, a new sna- a little snag in this has come up. Do you see what Mexico asked for? It's incredible. They want $20 billion for along the border. You know, for them. Now, wait a second. Why should we be paying the Mexicans to take care of their own country on the other side of the of the border? That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, the other thing that I found interesting is the Democrats are saying, well, the reason everything got out of hand the other day on the weekend is because of the rhetoric that the president has been saying. Well, I disagree with that. MSNBC had a story today uh, talking about uh, the caravan and what some of the people on the caravan are doing. Let's hear from that. That is cut number three. To our country unless they come in legally. Joining me now is NBC's Gotti Schwartz in Tijuana, Mexico. Gotti, what is the latest down there? Hey, good morning, Andrea. I want to show you, this is the breakfast line here at the shelter for the migrant caravan, and this is uh, some of those women and children that you've been seeing. Uh, They are standing here in line as they do twice a day, and some of them may be eligible for asylum in the United States, uh, but Andrea, they are the minority of this caravan. Instead, uh, most of the members of this caravan, uh, this is a line for single men that you can see, and it stretches uh, much longer as it does every single morning. Uh, Many of these men tell us that they heard in Honduras that it would be easy to cross into the United States. Some of them told us that they had heard that there were programs, work programs, that they would be eligible for. And so now that they are here in Tijuana and they have realized that it is very difficult to to get into the United States, especially after uh, what happened on Sunday, some of them are deciding to turn back. In fact, I want to show you this over here. Uh, This is a tent that's been set up uh, by uh, a bunch of different governmental agencies here in Mexico. Uh, But this is where people come if they want to go back to Honduras or Guatemala or El Salvador. These are people uh, that have decided uh, that it is time to go back and that they don't have the opportunities that they wanted here. Uh, Meanwhile, Mexico, the city of Mexico, the the country of Mexico is also uh, extending humanitarian visas to a lot of uh, these migrants as well as uh, putting them up into jobs. So that's what we're seeing right here. 81 people from the migrant caravan yesterday uh, decided to go back to Honduras. And these people here say they may be back in their country in a matter of days. There you go. All right, so maybe some of the things that the president has said and the BS that they were fed to come up to the border and how easy it would be to get over into the United States, which it has been easy up until this president took over. Uh, Now they found that it's not that way. It's fine. I mean, yesterday uh, we played a a piece uh, about 11,000. Let me repeat that number to you. 11,000 folks uh, in the uh, uh, caravan that are looking to make their way back home. Now, if they were seeking asylum, you know, you wouldn't have been able to make them go home. But that's not what they were doing. Uh, As we have known all along, they were looking for uh, the ability to uh, you know get a better life, as they like to say, to get over there and and to get a job. You heard that the gentleman t- told the reporter. We heard that they had uh, you know um, schools to teach us uh, job skills, so we could go to America and work. You know, we need people who already have the skills, and 
I got to tell you, all the, when you look at that video and you got all those people picking up and throwing rocks and everything, I don't want those people in my country. You're supposed to be coming to America not for what it just gives to you, but also what you can give to our country to make this a better country. And throwing rocks is not a skill that I personally think that we need uh, here in uh, America. All right, news is coming up here in just a moment. We'll come back and we'll hear from uh, former Governor Huckabee. He was talking about the migrants and uh, talking about that the people that are on the border aren't trick-or-treaters. Uh, looking for uh, uh, you know candy that they're really conducting an invasion. And when you watched Sunday and you saw the uh, the tear gas uh, dispersed, when you saw the rocks being thrown, and they start throwing the rocks not only at uh, the Americans but at the Mexicans. These are people that are here to cause trouble. Uh, that it looked a whole lot more like an invasion than people who were peacefully trying to come to America and want to assimilate uh, into the American dream. Didn't see that kind of uh, action at all. So we'll be talking about that. We'll talk about uh, DeVos, our Secretary of Education, talking about the teachers' unions and having a stranglehold on many politicians. Boy, that is the exact way it is here in the state of Arkansas. You talk to some of the politicians, man, they run scared from the union uh, here in uh, the state of Arkansas. And uh, Sanders, uh, President, uh, President uh, former Governor Huckabee's daughter, uh, talking about uh, Hillary Clinton. You're going to love what she has to say uh, about that and her loss to uh, President Trump. All right, so let's get to the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You're listening to 101.1 FM. The answer. All right, let's continue on here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Told you I had uh, former Governor Mike Huckabee for you. Here's what he had to say about what's happening on the border. Does the White House regret the uh, uh, the fact that, that children were affected by tear gas? And uh, that this situation took place. The White House would never want children to be in harm's way in any capacity whatsoever. Um, however, that is why we are continuing to encourage people to follow the law and go to ports of entry. Uh, law enforcement officials have used appropriate non-lethal force to protect themselves. Tear gas was used on average once a month during the Obama administration for very similar circumstances. Um, in fact, they were actually for far less circumstances because they didn't have uh, the same numbers in the mass rush that we're seeing in this caravan take place. Um, certainly no one wants women uh, or children or any individuals to have this happen, which is why we've encouraged them to actually follow the law. Well, that was White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders yesterday at her first briefing in almost a month, defending the administration's handling of the situation on our southern border. Former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee is a Fox News contributor, also Sarah Sanders' father. Yeah, I watched with great interest when I see these uh, clips. You know, the big difference is not the way the immigration at the border is being handled. The big difference is the way the news media is covering it. And I, I'm not saying that just to throw a rock at the, at the media, but they're not. Uh, tear gas was used in 2013. There have been many times when there have been very strong pushbacks at the border. But this is the first time that we've heard anchors rip their clothes on national television and say, America has never done this before. Well, the truth is, it was a very civil way to make sure that someone didn't get 
truly hurt at the border. When you have thousands of people rushing the border, throwing rocks and concrete chips, these aren't trick-or-treaters. They're not looking for knocking on the door and getting a piece of candy. These are folks that are truly conducting an invasion. There you go. And I, I can't agree with him more. He's exactly right. I mean, I knew that they had used uh, pepper balls uh, under the uh, Obama administration. I was not familiar with the use of tear gas and as many times as it has been documented that the media has totally ignored that tells you a lot about the media and where they're trying to direct this story. Uh, I heard one say, I'm not worried about what Obama uh, did. I want to know what the president is now doing. Well, you never said anything when the former president was doing. So keep your mouth shut now. You're, um, you know, your 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 political ideology is showing. Might want to button your pants a little bit there. You know, uh, make sure you cover up your everything with your dress because right now it's looking you're looking awful bad to be honest on that. Uh, something else that was uh, been in the news that I wanted to talk about uh, today, a few different things. Uh, Kudlow has been out talking, and of course a lot of people have been talking about the uh, the GM news that came out about they're not going to make uh, the crews anymore, and there's some other a couple other uh, sedans they're not going to be uh, making because they are not selling. Pickups are selling, and SUVs are selling. That's that's what's. Uh, what, what, what's going on there? Well, Cudlow was talking, I got cut number four, and here's what he had to say about this whole uh, GM thing. Layoffs at, uh, at GM. Well, I'll talk to you about GM layoffs. Regarding the Russian story, I'm going to leave that to my longtime friend and colleague, John uh, Bolton. Um, I met with Mary Barry yesterday, and we had a, a lengthy conversation about the layoffs, the cause of the layoffs. It's a great disappointment, obviously. The president indicated his own disappointment. Um, He believes, as uh, frankly the Prime Minister of Canada, Trudeau, believes, that the USMCA deal was a great help to the automobile industry and to auto workers. And, uh, by the way, they made those statements separately. And yet... GM comes in right after the deal. By the way, that deal will be signed in Argentina uh, with the U.S. Uh, and Canadian representatives. So there's great disappointment there. Um, there's disappointment that it seems like GM would rather build its electric cars in China rather than in the United States. Um, we are going to be looking at certain subsidies regarding electric cars and others, whether they should apply or not. I can't say anything final about that, but we're looking into it. Again, that reflects the president's own disappointment regarding these actions. Uh, Ms. Barrett told me, on the other hand, I want to be completely fair here, it's her business, um, it may be possible to transfer workers to other plants in Texas and Michigan. Uh, I'm not an expert on General Motors. I'm not an analyst, uh, auto analyst, but that's what she said. But obviously there's a lot of disappointment, even anger. Uh, I've heard it, again, from Mr. Trudeau, from President Trump, from Democrats and Republicans. Just a follow, do you think it's going to adversely affect our economy coming into the Christmas season and after? No. Um, I mean, look, I don't want anybody to get laid off. Uh, I'm, I, I want workers to do very well. I want worker wages to do well. And they are. 
I mean, that's one of the great things. You know, there's a certain amount of pessimism that I'm reading about. Um, maybe it has to do with a really a mild stock market correction. Let's not forget a couple weeks ago, just on this very point, we had 250,000 new jobs which was a blockbuster number. Nobody really expected it. With a 3.1% yearly gain in wages and a 3.7% unemployment rate, those are very spiffy numbers by any benchmark in any metric. So, again, holiday season layoffs from GM, brutal, brutal, all right? Uh, very disappointing. Will it affect the overall economy? I don't think so. I do not think so. All right, so uh, that was really Kudo, uh, Kudo talking about this whole GM deal. Here's my question. During the Obama administration, uh, if it hadn't been for the federal government giving them uh, a ton of money, uh, GM would not exist today. Uh, got them back on their feet. Got them on, uh, you know, doing it the right way, profit-wise. They're making money. Same thing with Ford. Ford didn't take money from the government, though. They did it on their own. Uh then I understand when you've got uh, a specific kind of car that's not selling, uh, you've got to make some tough decisions. But if certain cars are not selling because other cars are selling more, don't you have jobs that you can offer to these people that are working in your, you know, your mills, wherever? I don't know if they call them mills, all right, but being with a with a steel background like I have, I'm going to call it a mill. Uh, do you have to lay these people off? Can't you give them the opportunity of uh, filling, uh, you know, new jobs that are necessary to keep up with the demand for SUVs and for pickup trucks? And I think maybe that's what Kudlow was kind of referring to when he was talking about GMC and uh jobs in texas and and whatnot uh, as well so we'll have to watch and see how that goes i do know the president is not happy and neither is good uh the prime minister of canada and it's going to be very interesting to watch and see how this plays out it's three forty-three here on the dave ellswick show we still have some things i want to talk about i want to talk about uh, uh john bolton you know they've been giving him all kinds of grief Asking him, have you been listening to uh, the tape of that guy that got brutally murdered over there in uh, Turkey? And I, I got the answer for you. I got Bolton's answer about it. You'll want to hear that. As well as uh, DeVos, Secretary of Education, talking about teachers unions having uh, too much power because politicians are scared of them. We'll uh, hear both of those pieces of audio here in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we got the uh, the last about 10 minutes here of this hour. Coming up in the next hour, we will have uh, Joe and Duck in here to talk about uh, cars. In the last hour, Robert Steinbach will join us. We'll bring you up to date on what happened in Forest City, and we'll talk about does a dog have due process rights. It's a big, big question, big lawsuit going on. Uh, about in the county of uh, Pulaski. Okay, so uh, Betsy uh, DeVos uh, was talking about teachers' unions, and we all know that teachers' unions uh, fight for probably most of the most liberal 
uh, policies possible, not only money as well, but these liberal teaching policies, the thing of, you know, uh, boys who identify as girls uh, showering with the girls at schools and stuff, uh, you know, our education administration in Washington, D.C., uh, has stood behind that, thought it was a great policy. And uh, they got a lot of uh, politicians uh, on the hook. And she talked about this. Here's what she had to say. More informed or uh, criteria to study. Uh, the curriculum needs to change. More days in school, because I know that students in China uh, are having longer days in school and longer calendar years in school. So practically speaking, what are you saying needs to be done? Practically speaking, we need many more kinds of educational experiences for students to pursue to get the best out of each and every student. For some, some students, it might mean longer school days or more days in school. For others, it might mean a different kind of environment where they are hands-on learning and doing project-based learning. But we have to make sure that all of them have the opportunity to develop the skills that are going to take them forward into adulthood, like critical thinking, communication skills, uh, fostering creativity and the ability to work together with others. Much of that has been lost as we've been focused so much on uh, assessments of math and reading. Uh, and, and even in doing so, we've seen those scores just sort of taper off and uh, continue to be the middle of the pack as compared to the rest of the world. We're trying to do a top-down approach that is imposed on almost everyone, and it doesn't work for way too many students. So which leads to the next obvious question. And that is, why aren't we doing it? What's stopping the U.S. from moving forward and making the changes required? Well, we have a lot of uh, a lot of forces that are protecting what is and what is known. A lot of forces protecting the status quo. We need to combat those, break them, and uh, again uh, empower and allow parents to make decisions on behalf of their individual children because they know they know their children best. They know what's going to be the right environment for them, and we need to ensure commensurate with that, we need to ensure that parents have information about an array of options. But empowering parents to make those decisions and trusting parents to make decisions. Are you concerned that that... All right, so you got a real problem with unions. Do I need to say any more? Look, Russ has been at Capitol with me during the sessions when I'm over there doing work and covering we'll be doing that again next year starting on january 14th and i can only tell you that there are a lot if not a if it's not a sizable minority it is a uh, a small majority of people who run with their tails tucked between their legs uh whenever uh you know the the union speaks uh, the Arkansas Education Association, when the AEA starts t- uh, chiming in, they stand up and they salute. They they definitely do. And then when uh, the heads of the colleges speak, it's like they get down on bended knee, the genuflect, and kiss the rings on their fingers. That has got to stop. Th- th- these people do not control us. They work uh, for us. They are... Uh, you know, state government employees that work 
for us who are trying, but they are trying to and have succeeded in making us second class on this stuff. And we've got to break through that with these uh, different uh, union groups uh, dealing with the politicians. It's it's what's killing school choice here in uh, uh, Arkansas, absolutely killing it. Look, when a union gets that powerful, it's just as bad as when business gets all powerful. Um, my father, who you know was a union steward when he worked in the steel mills, said that uh, during uh, the 55 steel strike, uh, the union, uh, what they did to uh, the, the steel companies, holding them out for an extra, I think, 8 to 12 weeks, uh, during uh, that strike, over a nickel an hour, uh, was ridiculous. The strike fund had finally gone broke. There was no money coming to the workers, but it wasn't about the workers. It was about the union flexing its muscle and telling the, the, the companies that we can hold our people out and hurt you and hurt you badly. Well, the workers didn't want that. They wanted what they thought was fair, but they did. They were not out to uh, try to cripple uh, those companies, and it it made my uh, father not uh, be a, a steward anymore. He gave it up. He had to pay his dues because it was a closed shop. So if you wanted to work there, you had to pay uh, that to uh, to the uh, United States Steel Workers, and you know he'd be probably jumping up and down with joy uh, if he was still there and now Indiana's a right-to-work state and you don't have to pay it. So anyway, bottom line is a very, very powerful union is just as bad as a very, very powerful company. They have to both be able to come to the bargaining table and work things out. Neither should have, um, you know, a lot of power over the other where the other you don't even have to listen to them. That just uh, leads to really big problems, and it's going to continue for big problems for education here in uh, Arkansas if they don't get past these politicians do uh, with the AEA. All right, finally, uh, let's uh, play John Bolton. John uh, has been asked over and over again about how does he listen to the, uh, you know, uh, Kosogi tape of him being murdered. And, and here's what John Bolton finally said. Are you concerned that that will uh, affect the relations with the USLA? And I wanted to follow up that audio intelligence of uh, the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. Have you heard that tape? And does it conclusively point to the Crown Prince as ordering the killing of Jamal Khashoggi? And one final one. Um, the briefing. I suppose you that, remember all these? I'll, I'll talk to you. Thank you. Um, and, and finally, is it true the White House is blocking? Gina Haspel from speaking to senators about that audio intelligence on Wednesday. So let me take the question of the tape first. No, I haven't listened to it. And uh, I, I guess I should ask you, why do you think I should? What do you think I'll learn from it? Well, you're the National Security Advisor. You might have access to that sort of intelligence. Yeah. Uh, how many in this room speak Arabic? 
yeah. access to an interpreter? Well, he wanted me to listen to it. What am I going to learn from, I mean, if they were speaking Korean, I wouldn't learn any more from it either. Well, then, then I can read a transcript, too. Okay, so you don't think it's important to hear that as a national security I'm just trying to make the point that everybody who says, why don't you listen to the tape, unless you speak Arabic, what are you going to get from it? Really? The, the, president, the president has spoken to our position on this issue. He's spoken very clearly, and that is our position. Now, tell me the other question. All right. So, you know, I, I have to agree with Bolton. Now, in 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 fear, full transparency, I've we've gotten to know John Bolton over the years. And I'm going to tell you what, he's, he's an honest guy. And uh, I don't have to listen to somebody screaming as he's dying to know that if you were murdered, it hurt. And like he said, if I want to know what they said, I can read a transcript and see what they were saying while they were killing this guy. Just think it's a ridiculous uh, thing that uh, people want for him to do, and uh, it's it's smoke and mirrors. It's just smoke and mirrors. All right. We've got uh, Duck and Joe coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Got a car question. Here's your time, 823-0965. All right, back for the 4 o'clock hour. Some of you are lucky. You're heading home. You got the day done. My day's not done. I know that the two gentlemen that are sitting in my studio right now, their day is not done yet. Uh, Duck is here from Duck's Garage down in Benton. And then from Joe's Garage is Joe. And, uh, of course, uh, he's over on Crystal Hills Road in North Little Rock. Man, people have a hard time driving on I-40 over by Crystal Road. There must have been three wrecks over there t- this this week. Yeah, I don't think it's so much the I-40. It's the going from 40 to 430 transition yeah oh is it and around and that gets jammed up there and then you know wrecks breed wrecks because it's stop and go traffic so yeah everybody's looking so are they they're rear-ending each other as they're stuck in the off-ramp well that's kind of a i drive it every morning dave i've sat behind the shop for hours okay but what happens is when the traffic gets backed up getting on 430 Right. People get off the Crystal Hill exit, and you know there's an off-ramp, on-ramp on the other side of that going to get on 430. That's right. And it goes over to 40. They cut across the stop sign right there. Or yeah. they'll turn left, and they'll go down and try and get on at 430 over there by Mall Mail exit. Right. Well, they're just moving a short way around, so basically what happens instead of it backed up just in one area, it's backed up in three areas like that. Okay. And then everybody's going to go. That's yeah. it. Yeah, last Wednesday when I started up here, I made it to the Bryan exit. I sat there for 29 minutes before I moved. (laughs) We remember. We were talking about that on the air as you were sitting there. (laughs) Go for it, Russ. It's called rubbernecking, baby, but that's all right with me. There's plenty of them out there. Yeah, it was a lot of it. I'm going to tell you that. It's incredible. I, I It's like they there are certain areas, like you just said, mm-hmm. that breed wrecks. I'm telling you. If one happens, there's going to be three or four of them that happen in the exact same, in the same way down on I-30. Going oh, yeah. Around Bryan and Benton. Down that Congo exit in Severe. Holy cow. Alcoa now. Is it Alcoa also? Yeah, yeah Alcoa is so bad right now. Your headphones screwing with you? Damn, 
All right. We got He's in the dark. Yeah, he can't hear. <laughs> he wants to be able to hear. Let's see. Needs to make an adjustment here he is. there. He's, he's plugging in now. All right, here here you go. See if you can hear me now. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah, I okay, got you now. <laughs> but, he's uh, got his ears on now. Yeah. Breaker 1-9, you got your ears on? But that's the, you know, you know, like I say, last Wednesday, I sat there 29 minutes and we never moved. What, what was it? Was it a truck and some cars? No, nah, it was all cars, cars and pickups. They run in the back of one another. And, and then, the, as you know, the fire department, they got to come out and shut the interstate down. They went over and closed down a couple of lanes? One, well, it didn't have one lane that wouldn't messed up, and then they shut it down. <laughs> You know, and I and I can't say that I blame him because I've been out on the interstate with with my record buddy. You know, and people people zooming past you. Yeah, they're running hundred mile an hour past you. <laughs> Dave, I throw the flashlight and hit a guy's truck one day. Oh, really? He had like to run over me, and I'm standing there telling him, "No, you can't go." Me and the cop standing there. He just busts his own through. And you and threw I, your your flashlight at yeah, him. My my uh, metal flashlight, the aluminum aluminum guy. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah, it bounced off the windshield. It's a three, a three uh, battery, double D. And the cops, he said, did he do what I think? I said, yeah. He said, I'll be right back. Uh oh. He, he left. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, he come back. He said, yeah, that just cost him about four thousand dollars. Oh, that's good. Yeah, right. He was in Go a ahead. construction zone. No, they had a wreck on the interstate right in front of Freddy's. Failure to respect a emergency vehicle now the word respect is different from what they call it but fail to yield yeah yeah You're supposed to move over at least one lane obstruction of guys, governmental I think operations it's funny because you've got all this construction out of here on 6 30 <laughs> right now and they they've gotten to the point where they've put up radar signs well it doesn't matter i mean i was doing okay i was doing 55 five miles an hour over the speed limit chicken but i'm watching this thing people Watch are whizzing by me doing 73 because <laughs> yeah. it picked them up yeah was, i'm sorry i didn't hear what you said uh, were you talking you said i was doing 55 i said chicken <laughs> i go faster than 55 i can tell you i think i was went over and had lunch i was today. being nice okay I, I was doing 60 all right there that was go. that was that was dave that went by you at 73 <laughs> i know that <laughs> Not the truth. It is. There's a lot of truth. My in. my foot gets me in trouble because it don't yeah, get comfortable it does until me too. I, I get rolling along pretty good. You well, know? here's the thing: is that I don't. I haven't had a wreck on the road in over thirty years. The only wreck I had is a stationary pole <laughs> in the parking lot that didn't yield to me. Jumped out in front of you. It, didn't it did. <laughs> Got my front right fender. And, and people say, well, why don't you fix that? I said, if you check the price for fixing that, it's yeah. expensive, about three grand. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that day, my wife called me about, it was about one thirty, two o'clock, and she said, hey, I'm in Little Rock picking up some stuff. You need anything picked up? And I said, no, nah, I've got it all. It's, I'm back at the shop now. So about 15 minutes, she called me back, and she said, something happened to my Denali. Uh-uh. I said, well, you mean something? And it, this is a 2,000-mile Denali, and it's got 300,000 miles on it probably. And I said, what do you She's mean got something? like my, my uh, Acadia. Yeah. Huh? I said, what happened to her? She said, it's making this funny knocking noise. And I said, stick the phone up to it and let me hear it. And I'm telling her, cut it off, turn it off, turn it off. It's too late. It's on a rod bearing. But mm-hmm. but like I told her, I said, I ain't putting no money in it. I, you know, I said, he go, it's time for you to buy something else. 
but you know i knew a denali have you talked to her about it Mm -mm. that's (laughs) she can buy look at joe he's looking at the ceiling (laughs) she can she can you You better talk to her about it you're gonna own one you know what she told me she said i'm going home getting a mustang i'll just drive it for a while well that's good i said that's fine i said you got a jeep sitting at home you got a mustang sitting at home do me a favor and apologize to her that sunday i didn't come around and say hello i didn't realize she was up in the cab of your pickup she had that facebook pulled up dave she didn't probably know he was there oh okay well she waved at me as you guys were pulling out i just didn't see her my grandson was there he wanted to come and see the deer he saw the big plastic bag (laughs) (laughs) i done cut it skin it and oh you already skinned it oh yeah it was nothing but the meat and the bones oh good oh maybe i'll get a little sooner than what they said oh I, i cut mine and i took in about a foot long on the backbone i just cut it off in foot long so i always put mine in uh walmart sacks yeah because that way they don't all stick together right and then when you get ready you can just start dumping them out letting them thaw and they'll thaw a whole lot quicker and everything to run them through the grinder i'm going to tell you what there must have been an inordinate amount of deer this year because and when i went by the buck stops here to drop the deer that place was full well it was more than full Oh, Every I, place you looked, there were ice chests. I've probably seen those and little ones probably 10 or 12. You know, and I waited. That day I killed that, and there was five come out on me. Yeah, they they were stayed in line. Yeah, you I could, waited. You could have done that perfectly because if you shoot the one at the back, yeah. the ones in the front don't realize it, and you just keep picking them off as you go up the, the line. I shot that one and just set the gun back over in the corner waited to dark and got down went and i seen her when she run fell she didn't run but about 10 feet and fell over i didn't even get up out of the chair good and go shot. look no good shot no i actually i was going to shoot her in the head and then i i eased down a little bit and got her in the shoulder okay yeah if you go go right behind the shoulder you hit her right in the heart they yep. go down like done finish through but then she jumped about five or six foot. Now, I, I got a camera right there where I shot her at, uh-huh. and I thought it would pick her up, but it didn't It didn't pick her up jumping in the air when I squeezed that trigger, yeah. and, and she come down, and that was it. All right. Enough about deer. How about cars? Let's talk about cars. So I just told you about my bad luck. Yeah. I'm going to okay. have to get me a GoFundMe page so I can get my wife a new ride. <laughs> Did you see about what Ford, uh, the, the lady that brought all that uh, stuff against Kavanaugh? She had that uh, kind of GoFundMe page that mm-hmm. she she had going. Did you hear how much money they made? In the last I heard is over nine days. It was over nine hundred thousand. Yeah, it was nearly a million dollars. She had six hundred and seventy thousand dollars left. So, I mean, and at that point, you can keep that money, and do whatever you want. Now, with does it. she have to pay taxes on that? Well, I'm sure she does. I would think you do. Maybe not. I don't know. You know, someone asked me that, and I said, well, surely she has to pay taxes on that. Who it's knows? a gift. Yeah, I have no idea. I got a good feeling that the government's going to be holding her hand out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to let that go. No. They're going to make her pay for <laughs> bringing all that stuff up. But the bottom line is is that uh, she's going to give it to various organ- organizations and, and things of that nature. And that may be the way that she'll get out of the taxes. Of the taxes. But the bottom line is it just blew me away <clears throat> that if she had wanted to keep the 600 plus dollars she could have that's her money at that point it's all her money people gave it to her yeah 
I mean, you, if you're now if you're faking, you got cancer or something, they can come uh, and but, get you on fraud, but they can't get you just because you spent the money. Do you see the people out in Washington State? The boy, the two boys and the girl. Mm. Oh, they. This guy got this girl. They went and found this girl. She was fairly good looking. I mean, she was really good looking, and he told news that he get. She told the news that he gave her her last, his last twenty dollars. He was a vet. A homeless vet. Oh, know. I heard about this. And they raised over eight hundred thousand dollars, and she only got seventy five thousand. So she went and, and filed a lawsuit against it. Yeah, them. yeah. She didn't feel like she got her fair share, <laughs> and they arrested all of them just to use her picture. You know, her to do the story. They gave her seventy five grand. They're going to keep the rest of it. Now nobody's going to keep anything. And yeah, they're, they're all just, arrested. They're trying to keep themselves out of jail. <laughs> That's what they're trying to do. I thought, how dumb can you be? And with that story, they had to, you know, what, what, you know, how to give money to those type of causes, and you know, know where the money's going to go. Well, you don't know where the money's going to go. It went in his pocket. Man, well, yeah. I mean, whoever says it, they, it could be somebody else's picture on there, and not even be you. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. All right, take a break. We we'll come back. We'll talk more with Joe and Duck, and we'll get into cars when we come back. You got a question about your car, or you know, you don't want to admit that it's your car. It's your, you want to say it's your wife's car? <laughs> there you go, Dave. Eight two three zero nine six five. The Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Joe and Duck are here. They're answering your car questions now. Phones open. Eight two three zero nine six five. Eight two three zero nine six five. We'll tell you what we're giving away in a, in a moment. But right now, let's go talk to Tim and Sheridan. And uh, Tim's got a 2014 Durango, guys. Tim, what's the problem? Well, let me let me start out by like start out like this. Duck, I'm coming to your garage with this thing, so be prepared. Come on, <laughs> that's all right. Come on, see me. Okay. Uh, anyways, we got a 2014 Dodge Durango with 141,000 on it. I went to get gas at Walmart. Got. Uh, Drove it back home. The next day, my it's my wife's car. Next day, she's going to work. Check engine light comes on. So, I've got one of them little cheap handheld jobbers. You know, I, I put it on there, and it tells me that the thermostat is bad. So, I go I go to the Dodge dealer. I get original equipment. Got the thermostat, the whole housing. You know, it wasn't that yep. much. Put it on there. Turn out the light. Everything's good for about. I take it on a test driver. Everything's good for about twenty miles. Doesn't check engine light comes on again. So I break out the tester again, and it, this time it tells me O2 sensor number two, number two bank is got low voltage or low low voltage. So I said, okay, well I'll just go get an auction sensor, and this will take care of it. So I go and get that auction sensor, put it on, turn out the light, take it for another test drive, comes on again. This time it's reading number one, number two bank. So I said, okay, well, maybe they go bad all at once, you know. This thing's got four of them on it. Put the number one on there, turn out the light, same thing. Then I check it again. You know, after the light comes on, I check again. It's saying number two is reading low voltage again. So, anyways, to make a long story short, you're going to be seeing me. Come on. I'm hoping this is one 
one of them sensors that maybe you have to put a computer on it to maybe reformat it or maybe have the computer and the sensor mashed together or something. Nah, that ain't, that ain't what's wrong with it. But come on, I can take care of you. Just come on and see me. All right. You didn't, the, the scanner you were using didn't have any data on it, did it? Uh, just a code is, reader. It's just a code reader. It's just okay. a forty dollar. It's just a forty dollar <coughs> code reader. Okay. I mean, it tells you, you know, like it, it said, number two sensor, uh, number two bank, low voltage. Is yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, I, there, you know, it could be. You know, it, I mean, there's other things it could be. It could be like a fuel injector or vacuum leak. But uh, I did happen to go by your shop. And uh, it was late in the day, and one of your guys uh, put his uh, Snap-on tester on there. And that's when I changed number one out. He said, number one, it's reading number one. Yeah, it's, it's got another problem, though. Let me ask you a question. Uh, you said you started this story off with you filled it up with gas. That's, that's what I was worried about. Now, I, I need to ask you a question. When you filled it up a gas and you're sitting there and it clicks off, do you keep putting it in until it won't hold no more? Oh, no, 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 no. I did. When it clicks off, that's why I quit. Okay. Yep. That's a good I thing. Was thinking, I was thinking the life maybe was pertaining. It doesn't have a fuel cap, you know. Yeah. It's just got that flapper. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, well, okay, the flapper stuck. So I'll go out, I go out there and, you know, flick it back and forth and, you know. Yeah, and check the code, and that's when it said the thermostat. Well, but, uh, what what we got to do, and and just take it over to Ducks. But what yeah. they're going to have to do, they're going to have to go drive that thing down the road and look at the fuel trims on that, yeah. and a few other things. Uh, Catch you, a few things. Thing. Yeah, that's some, the thing. I mean, this thing, this thing is purring like sitting. Your guy couldn't even tell it was running. Yep. And I'm going, oh my goodness, I don't know what else to do for this thing. Bring it to me, and we'll go for a ride with it. We'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, that will get right, you fixed well, it's up. It's your way. As All right. As I get a day off, it's headed your way. Come on, right. see me. Well, Tim, here's what I always say about cars like that. Possessed. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely possessed. And it, it, it's done work my knuckles over so bad, I don't want no more. All right. Yeah, Duck's going to do an exercise right. on it. Yeah. All right. Appreciate your Thank call. You, Thank you very much. And uh, Duck will be waiting for it. He likes challenges. He really does. Hey, when we come back, we're going to give away a wet dry vac, one of those uh, five-gallon bucket type. It's still a great time to get this. As we're in hunting season, it comes in handy when you're cleaning out your stand and stuff. We'll give that away when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Plus more of your questions, 823-0965, number to call to talk to either Duck or to Joe here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But let's catch up on the news right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, so let's give away a wet and dry vac. Fifth caller. You talk to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking. Yeah. The bottom line. Okay. Uh, this whole thing of... Uh, of uh, and then I get, we're going to get into an interesting story here. I just learned something I did not know, and Joe just schooled me while we were sitting during the break, and it's pretty cool. Anyway, if you'd like a wet and dry vac, the five gallon uh, bucket that goes along with it, eight two three zero nine six five. Call eight two three zero nine six five, and uh, fifth caller, it's yours. That's the way it works. Now, 
I've been having problems getting uh, my radio to work the way I want it to work. I like to listen to our station because I, I listen to Wonder why. Some, yeah, some of the other <laughs> talk show hosts that are on it. And uh, I hadn't been getting 101 up in Cabot. You really like the best of when you're on, right? I do. I listen to myself all the time on Thursdays. It's a great way to sit and, and well, you uh, critique, critique yourself. yourself. Absolutely, you know? I yeah. do that all the time. You be listening, you think, "Well, that was dumb." Yeah, why didn't I, <laughs> why didn't I phrase that question differently? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, I would do that all the time. But here's the key: I couldn't get it. I yeah. I would get no kidding. I'd get to the bridge, the river bridge, and the signal dropped out. Yeah, and I'm going. That's not right. It shouldn't be that way. Well, I didn't give it much thought anymore. I just turned off the radio and didn't listen to radio and decided I'd listen to silence a little bit because I listened to radio all day long. And I had uh, I, I rented a car to go down to Florida in September. I rented a car for Linda to drive. rented a car for Linda to drive. And every time I drove their cars, it all came in crystal clear. clear. Yeah. I mean, crystal clear. Well, I, I had a crack in my windshield and i thought that black thing that went all the way around my windshield was the antenna no and just a moment ago joe looked at me like i was one of the dumbest people (laughs) on the face of the earth he said that's not your antenna that's not yeah what's wrong with you boy i wasn't looking at you like that (laughs) should have been (laughs) man i thought i thought that thing that was on top of my car Dealt with my cell phone. Well, it does. It's it's a, it's what they basically it's an LNB because your your car is XM radio equipped, so that's a that's a XM radio antenna. But they incorporated it all together. It's got your AM, your FM, and your XM radio and your satellite all into one. Yeah, and it's also got your uh, OnStar. Yes. Okay. It's well, all OnStar made works fine. Yeah. Because if the Bluetooth hasn't clicked in yet, it goes making your call with. Aren't stars? Oh, sorry, you don't have any on stars. I turned it off. Yeah, yeah. But but that that antenna on the back of that Acadia that you drive, they're notorious for going through a car wash, and they'll hang them, uh-huh. and it'll bend them, and it, it breaks the seal where it mount, mounts to the roof. Yeah, it gets water in there. Well, that water intrusion. It tore the end of mine off. Yes. Well, that you're going to need. That's what you're going to need to get your reception. And back. Dave, what happened when water gets in a plug or something like that? No, it shorts it out. The green monster grows. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So at least I can get it fixed. So you said that it's a, a it's a difficult job. Well, you have to take the headliner out to bolt it in. And generally, if the car wash is snagged it and tore it off, it's bent the roof a little bit, and you'll have to go in there and push that back up and tap on it, smooth it out. And then we put a little silicone on it and then bolt the new one back down and put it on there and fix it. But that antenna has got to be set up after it's put on because yeah. it's got to know to be programmed. what type of sound system you have. Okay. So you have to go in there and set it up and a little bit of programming to well, it. Well, I'm not expecting the car wash now to cover this because... That wouldn't fix the they wiper already, They ripped the wiper off the back of my it's probably what hit and, the and, antenna and, and, and broke it. What do you think? Yeah. $26,000 computer on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the truth. Yeah, it is. That's about the truth. Who's, no, our, who's no. our winner? All right. So uh, John Robinson, is he here waiting for us? Yeah, he's on. All right, let's talk to John. John won the uh, wet and dry vac. You're out in 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 Cabot. I'll say it like uh, like Forrest Gump would say it. Cabot. How are you? How you doing there, bud? 
good. You? We're doing great. Can you use a wet dry vac? Oh, yeah, I could use it. It's, right. it's a neat deal the way it sits on top of a five-gallon bucket, and, you know, you can snap it off and walk outside. And uh, I use mine for sucking water out of stuff. You don't want to get stuff wet, and it just works great. It'll blow yeah. an air mattress up well, too. It'll do that sure too. will. What kind of car you drive, John? Uh, I got a 2009 Chevy Silverado. Yeah. You like it? Have you had any problems uh, with it? A couple. I mean... I'm hearing buyer's remorse. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Ford man. I don't really care for the Chevy, but uh, that, that's what happens whenever you marry somebody from a Chevy family. Yeah. What, what, what's the mileage on that? Uh, I got a 120 on it. Okay. It's almost broke in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's getting there. I, I got a old one. I, look, I pulled the seat out of it today, my service truck they run around in, and it's got 589000 on it. Wow. Had to take seat out because there's nothing left but springs. <laughs> my it's rough on their butt. You know? My guy runs parts in, and he said, do you think we could get the seat repaired? I said, what's wrong with it? He said, walk out, and I walked out. I said, pull it out. And I took it over to the poster shop and t- told the guy to repair it, and he said, thank goodness my butt was starting to hurt from the spring poking on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, congratulations on your wet and dry back. And, okay, uh, you're gonna have to. You know where? Are you ever been in Benton? Uh, yeah, I've been there a few times. You know where Military Road is in Benton? Uh, yes, sir. It's at four zero eight Watson Street. It's Evans uh, Auto Parts. Okay, go in there and see Dickie and take your driver's license or a picture ID with you. Okay, and he'll take care of you. All right, thank y'all. Thank right. you. Thank, thank we, you and we hope you get converted from a Ford over to a GM. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, thank thank you. Right. Thanks, Thanks for calling bye. in. Appreciate it. All right. So, long story short, uh, I'm going to get this fixed so that I can listen to 101.1 sure. FM like everybody else does. Dave. And Kaibot. Dave. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'll bring you a coat hanger, and you can just ride with your hands sticking out. There you go. I put... There was another part of the story that yeah. we should share here because there's a lot of you that are driving around and you've got that mesh on your windshield and you're going, you may have been thinking like I was. That's yeah. the antenna. It's not. What is it, Joe? It's a rain sensor. Actually, it's a water sensor. If you have automatic wipers you where, you, this, where you set Russ? them on automatic, that's a, that's a moisture indicator and it picks up the water on the windshield so it'll know tell the wipers when to wipe. And but you if, turn if you have auto, it like a pouring you know. down rain, you never have to touch the wiper knob again because it detects how much water's on the windshield. If it needs them to do intermittent, it'll do it. If it needs them to be on low, it'll put them on low. If it's pouring down rain, it'll run them on fast. <laughs> wow. And you'd be surprised how many people we get in there don't know it's there. Yeah. yeah. And they've got it over on auto, and they come and say, hey, what's why my wipers, they're white by themselves. Mm-hmm. Possessed. Yeah. It's okay. It, it's, it's doing what it's supposed to do. <laughs> hey, how about this, Dave? And by the way, that was not in my book. Had a Toyota Prius in the shop, which is a hybrid. Yeah. Okay. Car dealer. It's got a parts runner and a delivery pickup and delivery guy. We put a set of tires on it and did alignment. The guy comes to get it and comes in. He said, hey, I need a jump box. The battery's dead. I looked at him and I said, you know, that's a hybrid. (laughs) He said, oh, crap. 
<laughs> it ain't going to make any noise, is it? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Just put it in gear and give it some gas. <laughs> give it some electricity. There was another customer in the office, and he laughed a little bit, and he said, you think you know the difference? I said, yep, you got to be smarter than what you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being smarter than what you're driving... A good way to be smarter uh, as far as your car goes is to be going to bumper and bumper and getting some of the best parts you need when you fix your car. Absolutely. They have parts there that would fix a hybrid if it wouldn't start, Dave. Yes. I promise you. Is working on a hybrid really difficult, or is it fairly straightforward? It's it's not that difficult. I've been to school a couple times on them. You know, the one thing when they send you to school – they tell you do not cut that orange cable no you can't do that there there are certain things that are absolute no no and it's just a matter of of doing it in the right manner to test it to diagnose what's wrong with it because you got two entities there you know you've got the gasoline engine part but then you got the, the the hybrid drive part of it and and you know they're depending on who makes it manufactured they're basically pretty much all the same you've got some that use the auxiliary battery to keep everything running when it's sitting still and even on the start-stop technology, they do that. And then some of them actually, if the hybrid battery, if you don't, when the light comes on, it says service hybrid battery, you keep driving and it gets low enough. Or if there's a charging problem with it that charges it. Right. If it gets low enough, it ain't going to start. It won't do anything. Because you, you, you damage it. Da- well, the voltage is too low. Okay. And it won't let it go. And then you end up towing it in, and, and, it, and it costs you more money. So if you have any warning lights on in there telling you to, to get it checked, you need to get that done. Bring okay? it in. But back to the bumper-to-bumper <laughs> thing, you know, you can actually buy those hybrid batteries through bumper-to-bumper. They're not cheap. Yep. No, they're not cheap. They're very expensive. But, you know, a lot of times what we do is we'll go in there, and each battery has got so many cells in it you can actually replace those individual units and if you look on a scanner you can look at the scanner and you can see which ones are weak see and which, which ones are not and you can actually go in there and replace those sometimes you can fix it without replacing the whole battery sometimes it's necessary to replace the whole battery you can literally replace just a cell yes it? there's like 27 29 of them in each hybrid battery that's pretty cool yeah so they were thinking a little bit for the customer yeah you don't have to replace the whole battery because one cell happens to be going bad. You remember? Well, they they want you to do it that way, but you don't necessarily have to do it that way. I've repaired several of them to help folks when they couldn't afford three thousand dollars for new hybrid batteries. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that's what kept me from buying a hybrid. Dave, they was when they first come out, people would take them, get oil change in them, and if you didn't kill them so they couldn't start their cell, they have started on the rack and without any oil on them. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You yeah. need the key fob in the vehicle. It's not a good thing. You need to be out of the vehicle and put it in your glove box. I mean, in your toolbox drawer. Yeah, it needs to be away from the car. That's it. Wow. Because they will start their self without any oil. For all you do-it-yourselfers, pay attention to that one. Yes. That would yeah, not I, be a good – especially if you happen to be a do-it-yourselfer and all you did is put it up on the ramps and you're laying underneath of it and it decides to go. Oh, it's, it, you know, you're not even supposed to. There's really, if, 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 you have, if you have one and you don't know what you're doing, you don't need to do anything on it no. because you can cause more problems by trying to save $35, 40 bucks. You can cost yourself thousands of dollars. So just leave it alone. Take it to somebody that knows what they're doing. That's why I bring my car to you all the time anyway. But, you know, bumper to bumper, they have parts for even hybrids. 
and anything else, and they're always name brand parts like AC Delco, Motorcraft, Gates, Standard, Standard Motor Products. Uh, the list goes on and on. Yeah, they have light clutches, they have midland clutches. You know, have any kind of AC products you want. You know, far as four seasons and all that stuff. All right. Exactly. So keep in mind, bumper to bumper, certified service centers use bumper to bumper parts. Two years, twenty four thousand miles. Use a credit card that they of theirs. Three years, 36,000 miles. Back with you. I've told you several times. I'll let these guys talk about it. Your oil that you put in your car now, it ain't like it was in the old day. You just went and picked up Quaker State or whatever, and you put it in your car. It's very important that you know what kind of oil was in your car when you got it, and you continue to put it in. And, And the right weight. Right, I can don't. remember when, when they had oil, it was 30-weight uh, non-detergent or 30-weight detergent oil. That's it. That was basically what everybody run. And everybody got excited when they went to 40. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then it went from 1030, 1040, 520, 020. Now it's going to 016. 16. And in the, in the late model cars, the engines are engineered and designed and built with a specific weight of oil you have to stick to that if you put too heavy a weight oil in there it can damage the engine yeah. if you do that and damage the engine the warning i mean the manufacturer not going to warranty it no. all that duck no they're not and, and another thing it does it floods the top of them cars with overhead cams in them they don't have no cam brands they run in the head itself and that's why it just floods the top of them cars. I mean, it has to, to to make them last. And the oil galleys are so small because they run such high pressures with real thin oil. They need to pump it real fast to keep yep. it up there and get it back down, get it cooled off, and make the uh, circuit again. Yep. And if you change the weight of oil or you change what kind of oil it was designed to run with, like specifically if it was designed to run with a synthetic motor oil and you put a conventional in it you can damage the motor yes now if it was built with conventional you can go to a synthetic but you have to stay with the same weight yep and and yeah it it don't matter if you got synthetic or regular if it says 5w30 or 5w20 that's what you put in it that's right either way whether it's synthetic or it's just conventional motor oil you put what it says in it you have to. If you don't, you can end up causing yourself more trouble. And and the oil that we run, me and Duck, is a uh, is Chevron <coughs> yep. Havilland, and it's uh, we get our oil right now from Relodyne. Jeffrey over at Relodyne does a good job servicing us. Yep. Uh, in the past, we had been with B and M. Y'all, you guys know that. Hey, Angel was great. She took care of us. Uh, McPherson Oil has bought B and M out, and they're Exxon Mobil distributor. Uh, that's good oil too. But me and Duck decided to stay with the Chevron products. We like them. Uh, you'll not have any problem. They service us great. They've got all the blends, synthetic blends, full synthetic, all the conventional oils, and it's a great product. So if you come into one of our facilities, that's what we're going to recommend you put in there, and that's what we're going to sell you. Yeah, and they also have diesel truck oil, you know, like for the 18 wooders. Exactly. You know, they have the Dello. 1540. Yeah, the 1540 Dello. Uh, that's what I sell. Uh, but they not only sell, they, they sell uh grease to greasy cars with which cars don't have no grease fitting no more but the big trucks still have you know i buy my grease and everything from them when i need it so and differential oils a lot yep. of differential oils today are are synthetic type oils yeah and it's important to put the correct one back in there because yeah. some of these differentials have uh clutches in them yeah and another thing too joe a lot of the differential now they make 50 weight differential oil. yeah you know, they, they make 50 weight. They make 85, 90. They make uh, 75, 140. And if you put the wrong weight oil in there or the wrong kind, you damage the yep. posi-track clutches, correct? A lot of the rear ends now have a filter on them. 
Exactly. Have a, have a screw on filter. Hmm. But if you know, I have no idea. Yeah. I, I haven't changed the oil on my well, car in forever. Some of his, the big trucks. Yeah, the big trucks. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm talking now about. The, the passenger cars and trucks, and you know, one tons down or even two, three tons, they, they ain't going to have that. But, no. the, but the 18 wheelers have them, and that's to protect it from uh, water intrusion yep. as well as. Uh, uh, any types of bearing failure, the metal in there, they want to yep. gather it all up for it damages the rear end because you're talking about thousand dollars fixed rear end, right, Doug? Yeah, yeah. A rear rear end on a truck, you're looking at somewhere into the three thousand dollar range. The front part of either one, you're looking at somewhere into the five thousand dollar range. Yeah, just depend on how bad it's scattered. So you got to have a good oil company working with you to make sure you get good products. And Relodyne and Jeffrey over there, those guys are great, and that's why we're with them, right, Doug? Exactly, and, and they've been good people to us, too. We've had meetings with them, didn't we, Joe? And, yep. Uh, we discussed what we wanted, and they discussed what they wanted, and, you know, they're just good people. All right. Sounds good to me, because oil is much more important now than it has ever been, been. in yes. a car. That's a fact. And we deal with it every day, people, the lack of maintenance not changing oil and filter to proper intervals. And we've had these discussions about what should you believe? Should you go by the mileage on the car or should you go by the uh, maintenance indicator? And, you know, those oil life indicators are very sophisticated. They don't always just work off mileage. They go off engine hours and how much time it's spent idling. Yep. Because all of that depletes the oil, too. And I like the engine oil life monitors. I really do because they're more sophisticated than just monitoring how many miles you drive. Well, I check mine all the time. I don't wait for it to turn, tell me, get my I oil change. About 20% is what that's I what say. I, that's yeah. about yeah. what I do. I see 20 and that's when I'm I get calling mine. Joe. I don't even put a sticker on my windshield no more. I don't either. Don't need one. No, because no. you know, most time, you know, I always go through and I know I can look see how many miles I drove and I know – you know, I'll go down through there and just see, you know, where I'm at. When it gets around 20 to 25 percent, I'll run it in there and let them service it. Yep. And that's what I do with Joe. And then every other one, every other oil change, I rotate the tire. That's it. That's the way to do it, Dave. It keeps your, keeps your and, tires running. And we also I'm getting check, more out of, I'm getting more out your, of these tires yes. than the last two sets that I put in. And you told me there's a new set that i got to look at. Yes, we're going to look at them. Uh, but we also been checking your alignment regularly too. And yeah. About every third oil change, we've been putting it on the front end machine, make sure it ain't been potholed and yeah. and knocked out. And that really potholes in Arkansas. I'm telling you, it's, it's more of a problem than what you think. It's not <laughs> just no a big kidding. bump in the road, but it it damages suspension components. And, watch and another thing the too, curbs. when they rotate your tires, we look at your brakes. That's right. Good to, thing to, to do. To tell you how too. how close you are to needing them. Absolutely. Winners right. here. Put new wipers on your vehicles. Guess what. We're out of time. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, out Dave. Out of time. These guys don't have to come in on Saturday. I do. I'll be in here with uh, some different folks. I think uh, we got folks from Pine Bluff coming in and some new folks coming in, too. Good. We're out of time. we got to get out of the way. Joe, Duck, thanks Thank so you. much. We appreciate you coming in. We'll see you next Wednesday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Wednesday hump day over the hill day. Closer to... Uh, Friday than we were on Monday, and that's a good thing. And so um, I brought uh, Robert Steinbach back uh, today. Uh, first of all, I'll give him some good news, and, and then he'll give us the news of can you can you have due process on a dog. We're going to find out on that because there was a weird story in the paper yesterday about that, and I wanted him to talk about it. 
when things get weird like that, I got to have the answer. You know, it's when I got to know just the way it is. But uh, Robert, of course, is a law professor over at uh, Bowen School of Law, UALR, or excuse me, get the hiccups today. And uh, his opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect those at a school or the university. With that said, uh, Mr. Chadwick, who we talked about uh, for a half hour yesterday, who was the person who had the problem with Forest City Police, uh, you know, taking his gun and all kinds of stuff, uh, had the charge dismissed, got a written order of dismissal, the whole nine yards. I've got a question for you. I think that to keep this stuff from happening, uh, and by the way, it, it, they had made their decision up fairly quickly that they had screwed up evidently because we had been talking about it uh, earlier and then took it on again in the last hour of the uh, power panel. And I believe they got some different, uh, many phone calls. And because of that, they knew that uh, the jig was up. Yeah, basically. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, they made a quick uh, decision on this. And that's important that people call and tell them that, you know, I just won't come to Forest City if it's going to be this unfriendly to a constitutional right of mine. Uh, that's a real can, concern. Can you can you can you sue them? Can something? Can you do something else that can cause them? I don't know. Do you do you want to say cause them consternation because it makes them look like the dummies that they are, or because perhaps it will cause? Uh, the police department to cough up some money. <clears throat> Paul asked a question yesterday, uh, and it was a good question. What do the rights of a citizen have when the cops improperly arrest him? And the improper arrest has to be egregious enough, essentially, to overcome the immunity that law enforcement generally has. Uh, but one can make a pretty good argument that For these guys, I think, right, with that with that um, recent uh, court of appeals case, yeah. that sort of set it out plain and clear uh, that they should have been aware of it. They acted contrary to it, and that's the standard essentially. So if there's a clear articulation of the law already available, and the cops act contrary to that, then the immunity goes away. If there's some ambiguity, the immunity doesn't go away. So I think there's a real issue there. And can I just touch on a point? We've talked about it several times. Uh, We did with Jan. uh, But I think it's important uh, for your listeners to know, because Jan uh, kept saying, uh, and and, and I'm sympathetic to this notion, that the Second Amendment and the state version thereof uh, guarantee us uh, carry rights. And that's why she keeps saying we're a constitutional carry state. And I I subscribe generally to that notion. Uh, But, but doesn't mean a local Cops not going to arrest you. And so the safer move is, A, to get a concealed carry license. So therefore, anything you carry concealed is covered. And then, B, if you decide to carry open, you should know, as Leslie Rutledge pointed out in her somewhat infamous or somewhat famous, I should say, uh, um, attorney general opinion, uh, doesn't mean that they won't arrest you. Hopefully, the results will be something like happened yesterday, which would be a quick dismissal, and hopefully there would be no arrest. But that's the caution with sort of carrying that flag, uh, saying, hey, we have all these rights. Okay, but you've got you've to be ready for the fight. Yeah, and that's why Leslie, or not Leslie, pardon Jan? me, Jan made the 
particular point that you, as a, a gun own, owner, having insurance, a concealed carry insurance is a good idea. Sure. It's a, it's a well-spent, for her, she thinks, whoever she has, 11 bucks a month. Right, but remember... That's concealed carry, and if you don't have a concealed carry license and you're just walking around under the notion of constitutional carry and carrying open or closed, I'm not sure you can even buy that insurance. So that's the difficulty. The safer move under the current law, uh, or at least the current interpretation of the law, we should say, uh, is to get a concealed carry license, uh, and carry concealed is the safest move, but if you want to carry open, then be prepared that there may be some ramifications until it's all cleared up, and hopefully... We'll get that yeah. done with right. the Supreme Court, hopefully, right. and and then things will be settled, but even if the Supreme Court rules doesn't mean some dummy out there is not going to do something stupid to you. That, of course, is true, but the more the more you have under your belt, it's probably a bad analogy, but the more you have under your belt in terms of case law and statute that supports your position, at some point, uh, you would think that for the most part, you won't have these uh, aberrant actions by law enforcement. Yeah, you sure hope so. Indeed. Indeed. You know, but I, I can tell you that in some of these cases that I've been following, we've had uh, the one up in Searcy, the one in Bald Knob. Those are two yep. specific ones. Now we've had the one in Forest City. Right. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's the law enforcement doesn't like the law or or it's just ignorance of the law. And let me just throw back at them what they would say to me. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Uh, you know, right. bottom line right, is right. that that can cause you problems. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I just want people to be cautious. Uh, that yeah, I understand what it, you're saying. This is, not a, this is not a completely settled issue. Uh, I think we could also pass other legislation. Jan would say, well, but the Constitution guarantees it. Okay, I, I, I get that idea, but just because you say it doesn't make it so, right? Uh, if you drove to California right now, Jan would argue that the Second Amendment guarantees her right to carry it in, in California. Yeah, but they, you know, you'd be tied you'd be, up for years. You'd be hogtied. And yeah. by the way, at least according to the U.S. Supreme Court, that's not true, that you're not entitled, that, that California can regulate how you carry um, a, a firearm. That was a Chicago, the, the Chicago law, was it not, that they looked at and they said that some, uh, I think even Scalia said that some regulation is permissible. Some regu- right. regulation right. is permissible. Started with the Heller case out of D.C., and I forget where the second case, it may be Chicago. Well, sh- no, it was, was Chicago. Chicago. Okay, yeah. thank you. Um, and, and the court said, you have to have some ability in some respects to carry, but that doesn't mean that the Constitution gar- <coughs> excuse me, guarantees no regulation. So Because well, they regulate automatic weapons. Right, right. I mean, you can get one, right. but you're going to buy about a $3,000 license, right. and then when you buy the weapon, the weapon is a it's going to cost you, you know, fourteen grand or yeah, something. Yeah, and it seems to me, and I'm open to discussion on this because I, I, I haven't gone down to a fine uh, detail on this, but it seems to me that the U.S. Supreme Court says that permitting, requiring a permit, is not inconsistent with one's 
constitutional rights. I'm not sure I agree with that as a philosophical matter across the board, at least, that you have to have a permit for every uh, form of, uh, be it gun or handgun. Uh, but it seems to me that the Supreme Court, at least as of now, uh, suggests that that is okay. And so just because I disagree with it, doesn't mean you don't get arrested. you got to listen to what the court says. Okay, so I heard that uh, there is a case stage left, so to speak. Right. It's off the stage. It's over there. Snaggletooth is over by it. But the bottom line is a veteran who is disabled uh, and thus can't get employed well enough to, av- to afford to pay to have a concealed carry, they're waiting uh, for a, a person that the lawyers are, specifically are waiting for a person like this so that they can bring a case against the state that, for the fees, for the fees yeah. saying that it's not right to deny someone their right because they can't afford. Yeah. Well, you that know, you're charging on a right, not, you know, just a privilege, a privilege, right. that, supposedly. Right. And if we step back, remember, the left was freaking out when we said you have to show up with an ID to vote. Oh, yeah. Right? Freaking out. And yet here, at, of course, you have to have an ID and a lot more for concealed carry, for example, in Arkansas. Not only do you have to have that ID card of concealed carry, you've got to pay that, I think, $140, was it, fee? So there's a lot of restrictions i don't hear the left complaining about that at all that's a constitutional right they say voting's a right it is a right yeah. i agree with that but the second amendment says the right to bear arms is a right that's correct and the by left, god yeah i mean you're the government is not granting the right right the, the government because it's written in the what would be called the you know our our bill of rights is right. be, is to say the government is to protect that right. That's right. I like that even better. I was saying recognize, but protect is an even better, better not, location. Not take your right, right. protect your That's right. right. That's right. All right. We got Bill. He's in Cobb or Bob, and he's in Cabot. <laughs> I guess that's getting to be an old joke now. In Cabot, let's get to uh, Bill. Bill, how are you? Welcome to Bob. I'm sorry. I don't know why I keep saying Bill. Bob, how are you? That's all right. I'm not offended. I've been called worse. Okay. That's good. Or bad, maybe. Um, <laughs> the uh, my opinion is why the gentleman I listened yesterday and got to listen to him, uh, but I didn't get a chance to call. Uh, okay. My opinion why he got arrested was the old basic contempt of cop. You didn't do what I say, so you're getting getting arrested. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to deny that. I think that uh, maybe the cop felt he was dissing him, and uh, because of that. He did what he did. Doesn't uh, doesn't make make what the cop did right. In fact, it it's just as wrong yeah. as, as it this can be. Wrong. Right? Because I would one hundred percent agree with that. But in, in my in my short fifty two years, I have seen where uh, the uh, contempt of cop comes into play in several instances. Yeah, I would not disagree with you. So, Bob, I <laughs> I appreciate your call here on the. Uh, the Dave Ellswick show, but he's he's got he's got a point there. When a police officer, forever whatever reason, it may be wrong. I'm going to tell you, it could be wrong. Still be respectful. It could be wrong. There's always ways to come back and and get at it. Okay, but don't get yourself 
screwed up because you're just being disrespectful to a, a to a law enforcement officer. I learned a valuable lesson throughout my time of being a lawyer, and that is, uh, don't let your words get you in trouble, particularly if you're winning. And I, w- I was litigating a case, and the judge was essentially was was ruling in my favor, and she made a misstatement as to I think the facts. Uh, but she was ruling in my favor, and I was about to correct her, and then I realized, what am I correcting? Don't don't step on your own tongue, right? Don't yeah. offer something up that's not necessary. Uh, with that said, of course, it should not be the case that uh, people vested with authority can essentially arrest you, or do, I should say, essentially arrest you because you have um, not been polite to them because, of course, you have a constitutional right not to be polite. That's exactly um, right. But, you know, that's that's what we are talking about a moment ago, and Bob is, is right on this in the sense that it's a difference between sort of f- philosophy and reality, and that if the philosophy is the Second Amendment guarantees this right, the reality may be someone's going to throw you in jail. So be careful. Do, do the stuff that we were talking about. And then last but not least, let's make this point again. Just because you have a right, do not think because you exert your right that there might not be a price to be paid. That's right. That's right. Well, and I told you yesterday on your show, Dave, how my dad pointed out to me when I was learning to drive. And I said, well, but I've got, I've got the right of way. And he said, it doesn't do you any good if you're dead. Yeah. Right. So just be careful. I agree with you. All right. Robert Steinbach is here. Weird story in the local paper yesterday. Can a dog be denied due process? Can a dog even ask for due process? I don't think so. I can't understand a dog when it's barking at me. You know, whatever. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We just talking during the break about um, yesterday I got a flu shot. A little bit behind. I try to get my flu shot uh, in middle of October because it takes two weeks for it to build up strength uh, to help protect you and sometimes that's not even good enough but uh, I still believe what CEC says that by having the shot if you get the flu it'll help mitigate it a little bit so it won't be as bad so but anyway I got my flu shot it, it's different this year than it has been in the past because I turned 65 years old and it's stronger and they gave me that and then I got my uh, pneumonia shot. I always I got a pneumonia shot. And the 65-year-old pneumonia, everything's changing now that I'm turned 65. Uh, two shots. I only got one. And here in uh, a few months, I got to go back and get a second one. And then I'm done uh, as far as flu shots go at all. You mean, but then, you mean pneumonia shots? Or pneumonia, yeah. yeah. Then I'm done with pneumonia. Flus uh, every year. Now, you said that... You you were told that you need to get two shots for shingles. For shingles, right. Okay, so it's, they'll tell you, I think it's 55. Now they've lowered it. No, 50 now. Is shingles. it 50? Okay. Yeah. Used to be but, 65, yeah. all right? And let me tell you, everybody I know who got shingles got it in the 40s, so I'm just saying... I'm just saying, you want to wait till insurance pays for it. You know, look if you're if you can't afford it, it's not cheap. It's like a three hundred dollar yeah. shot. But if if you can afford it, um, you don't just, want shingles. You do not want it. Everyone that I know who got it said it was horrific. Yeah. So I I told them I wanted to go ahead and get shingle shot too. Get right. that done. I'll take three. I mean, I right. went, I've been in the military, buddy. I've 
I've walked the gauntlet before right. when they used to use those air-powered right. guns that right. they used, where they stand there and fill up both arms. Right. You know, it's about five shots on each side, you right. know, ten right. shots total. And then the next day you do push-ups and sit there and die right. uh, doing that. But anyway, uh, I wanted to get shingle, and uh, they told me at the place that I was at, they're out of the vaccine. Yeah, that's what I, I, I got away for the they second. Said probably be four months. Yeah, they said. So they told me January they should. They are expecting it back in. But they put me on the list. Yeah, me too. Nothing like being on the list. Yeah, but that's uh, you know what cost it, right? All those commercials that were on television about yeah. about shingles and so right. there's been a bunch of big stars. Right. You know, you don't want to get shingles. You, you really know? don't, though. As I had, I think it was, yeah. one was Terry Bradshaw. I think right. He was talking about right. it. And he showed the picture of him, and man, his was bad. Yeah, yeah. It was bad. I mean, we've had Dr. Yamauchi on here talking about it. We're getting back on talking about that. The thing that he talked about recently that I thought was interesting is animals. Yeah. Your pets at home. You can get all kinds of diseases from your pet. I'm sorry. I don't mean to brain on your parade. Right. But you need to – where has your dog's butt been – that's been all over your couch, I'm just yeah. saying. Or, or or his mouth. Oh, yeah, let's talk news. That's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Now I'm back. I mean, that was me, but now I'm back. Really. <laughs> anyway. Who are you? Here's, here's what's going on, all right? I, we're playing off a computer my ad-libs because... Somewhere between leaving my car in the parking lot and getting to the station, I lost my glasses, and I don't know where they're at. And to say that I have a hard time seeing the copy uh, that's printed in front of me is an understatement. I can't. So if you're driving 67 North back to Cabot on your way home after 6 o'clock tonight, if you see a red blur bouncing <laughs> off the walls, you that's but Dave. See, that won't happen because I can see – Everything far away. In fact, I can see the speedometer and everything. It's when there's I'm sitting here. I mean, if I put, probably if I put my my copy over on the other side of the desk, I might be able to read it. I don't know. Anyway, just just letting you know. Now, this is only going to happen one time, and it's only for ninety people. And I think they just got a couple of tickets left. But uh, you know, the, the government is just licking the chops right now because they want to get at your at your uh, savings that you've made for your retirement uh they want to tax your ira your 401k and i'm not going to go into why they want to do that i mean i could explain to you you know you didn't pay any taxes on the money so that when you start taking the money out they're going to take their taxes out too and depending on what the tax structure is at that time it could be higher then than when you save the money here now uh so anyway they're going to tax your social security benefits they're going to tax your investment income and it could be literally a field day for them so you want to see the tax train is coming that's tomorrow night over at ua breckenridge theater here in uh, in little uh, rock uh, hosted by david lucas host of david lucas show here on 101.1 the answer special event is free it's limited to just 90 people they just have a few uh, tickets left. Uh, there are some rules to get a free ticket. For instance, you should have saved $500,000 for retirement. To do that, uh, you can get the free ticket. All you got to do is call and call it and call right now. 
That's 501-653-6690. One more time, 501-653-6690. If you put away that much money for investments, I'm just going to tell you, you need to go see this. You could lose up to more than 35% of that to the federal government. And I know you didn't save all that money up to give it to the federal government. I just know that that's not the case. But uh, we're not gonna, we're not telling you we're going to keep you from paying taxes. There's ways of mitigating how much taxes that you're paying. All right, so go see the movie. Uh, 501-653-6690. Okay, so, Robert, I've been waiting for this this part of the show. He knows I've been waiting for this because... I've been talking about it since Monday. Here's the key. Some it's a dog-eat-dog dog world, yeah, baby. Yeah, it is. It is a dog-eat-dog dog world. I couldn't believe how much print they wasted on this story. That, that Of all, all the things that's amazing, there's a, uh, I don't know how you measure print. What's it, column? Column inches. Column inches. There is, there's a full spread on this story in the Demgaz on how somebody who had a dog and the dog ran away and the pound got the dog and then the pound di- didn't scan the dog and then gave the and then sterilized the dog and also gave the dog to a new owner and then the original owner wants to get the dog back and he or she or they are suing the pound and one of their claims is due process remember due process in the federal constitution the due process clause says if you have a property right in something the government can't just take it away you need due process you right. need some sort of procedure that gives you fairness and so the argument here is well, it was my dog. It's my property. And the process that should have taken place when you found this dog that quite clearly could have belonged to somebody else was for you to try to ensure that my property rights were respected by you scanning the dog and your failure to scan the dog is a violation of my due process rights. And the Eighth Circuit is going to decide that case. That's the Court of Appeals, the Federal Court of Appeals that covers... <laughs> yeah, it's a our, federal case. Federal case, because it's a federal constitutional right due process is. Now, I don't know if there is a federal constitutional right here, but that's the question. And the, the newspaper article, of all the things that's most amazing, and one might say it's somewhat amazing that you have a due process right in your dog, but to some extent it makes sense. You have a due process right in any property and you own the property that is the dog uh but what's really amazing is that the damn gas spent uh, a whole uh, side of one of these tombstone pages of their um of the newspaper on it so yeah. it's an important story apparently i i guess it's an important story yeah. it's about a man and his dog man and his dog and exactly. we know how important that exactly are some people just go way overboard on their and we won't get into that that thing, because I know that's opening a very hot can of worms when exactly. I get into it, because I I make fun of people who dress their dogs like humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. I really do make fun of it. I don't understand it. I don't claim to even try to understand it. I just think it's really ridiculous to say, you know, to train, train um, or teach a dog to be your child. Dave has a nice dog. He's got a little, it's a Chihuahua mix. Yeah, it's, right? uh, what is it, Chihuahua and, it's two breeds. But yeah, Chihuahua is in there. No, it's not a, it's not, it's not a, uh, a wiener dog. It's something else. I forget what it it's is. It's a little dog. It's, it's a just dog. a little. Jack Russell. Yeah, he's just a little guy, all right? Yeah. And we call him, his name is Dexter for the serial killer. That's what, <laughs> that's what we, uh, what we named him. 
you know, kind of letting him man up, so to speak, you, you know. He puts on his pants and he looks at people and said, don't mess with me. But anyway, he's he's a good dog. Uh, he's about 12 years old now. Wow. Probably got about another three or four years before he starts having any really serious health problems mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've heard of these dogs living to be they can live 20 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, there's times... I hope he only lives another day. You know, I'm just kidding. Right, I'm right. just joking. Uh, Dave takes nice care. You can tell. He's taking good uh, t- care he of. He gets very good care. Yeah, he's got his own place on the couch. On the couch, exactly. He's got his own yeah. place on the couch. He does. But he does. I'm just saying, he doesn't wear sweaters in the wintertime. Right. When he's got to do his business, out he, goes. he runs out the door, does what he's got to do, he comes to the door, he barks, I open the door, and he comes back in. There you go. That's the way it works with him. There you go. I don't carry him in a little box and ask my wife to walk around with it over her arm. I don't do. I don't put him on the airplane with him. I don't do any of that. He doesn't even go on trips with us. We give him, you know, we get one friend. of the kids to take yeah. care of him. Yeah. You know, I just, look, I like my dog, but guess what? His name is D-O-G, not K-I-D. Yeah. yeah. It's just the way I look at it. Very good. That's how I am. But so this really is a uh, a case. I mean, what yeah, we're saying Yeah, this is a real here, case. This is a federal case, quite literally, where someone's saying that their right to own their dog should not have been interfered now, let's, with. Let's, there's a couple other little parts of this. Yes, sir. One, he was wanting to start a breeding business yeah. with this particular, right. it was a German Shepherd. It was eight months old. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was raining hard, you know. The wind was blowing. Yeah. He was sick. His son was at home. His son let the dog out. There was a clap of thunder and a streaking of lightning, and the dog freaked out and took off. Mm-hmm. They couldn't find him during the storm. Happened to end up four miles away, I guess mm-hmm. it was, in, in a friend's garage. Mm. He didn't know it was their dogs. Their, you know, the dog belonged to them. So he called the animal control people, mm-hmm. animal control or sheriff's office, and they called the animal control. They came out, got the dog, took it to the pound. The pound didn't see if it had a chip in its mm-hmm, neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say it didn't have a collar. The mm-hmm. owner says it had a collar, mm-hmm. and it had a number imprinted on the inside of its ear. Mm. So it had all these different yeah, things. It's a lot of identification. And then they uh, they held the dog, I think they said a couple weeks or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they put him up for adoption at that point, and another family adopted the dog, and then they found out, that this is what had happened. This guy hadn't called the pound to mm-hmm. check it because he assumed. May I tell you what assume means? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, didn't find out these other people had the dog for months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, somehow found out that the the dog had been adopted. Mm-hmm. He wants the dog back. The people who had adopted the dog says, wait a second. Our kids are all attached to this mm-hmm. dog now. Mm-hmm. We're not going to give it up. So, and I guess that's been, that part of it's been cleared up, hasn't The dog went back to him finally? I don't know that, actually. Is that right? I thought that the dog was given back. I might have missed that part. It's a sure. long story. It's a long story. <laughs> Just saying. It's really, it's sad, though, right? Because, you know, you never know. Um, it's about three quarters of a full page for this whole story. Well, it's more if you add up the front page. Well, yeah, on. that's true. It's probably it's a full page. It's basically a full page. Yeah, to write the story up. Yeah. Got to give, got to give people the credit about it. 
it's a human interest story, you know. It is. As they always say, there's nothing newsworthy about a dog biting a man, but if a man bites a dog, exactly. now you got a news story. Exactly. All right, Robert's yep. going to be back with us. We've got more we want to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show, a break. Final break, and then the final segment of the show. All right, back with you. Uh, John in Benton has a story about a dog, and let's get that story from him. Hey, John, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. What's uh, going on? How are you guys doing? We're doing good, yeah. man. Yeah, so uh, my wife and myself, uh, we, we just, uh, this is right when we got married. We bought a dog for our daughter, and we uh my wife went through the whole process of like you know like should we should we get the the tag and the chip and the tattoo in the ear and all that and i I told her that you know well if we're responsible enough doc or uh, pet owners like we won't need any of that stuff and our dog our dog will not he doesn't like going even going outside but <laughs> to to put a point to that story though this this lady that uh, lived uh, about three blocks away. Her dog was out in the road. My wife almost ran the dog over, and she tried to go around to every neighborhood that was, you know, within walking distance and asking people if they knew who the dog was. And nobody knew who it was. And we, I was like, man, just call animal control. We, we can't keep another random dog, you know, and we don't know if he's got any sort of, you know, parvo or any of that. Yeah, other right. Stuff. And about three weeks later, a lady shows up at our door, and uh, she's asking about if my wife was uh, there. And she asked her asked for her by name, and I thought it was a little bit weird, but we volunteer, especially around the holidays and stuff. And the uh, so I, I, I'm talking to this lady, and she's like demanding that we end up paying all this money that was incurred by the dog being kept in the kennel, and she she ended up threatening that uh, she's like, "Well, I'm gonna go get a lawyer." I was like, "Well, you better go ahead and go get yourself a lawyer because <laughs> that was your problem." Yeah, so you know, she we, she lost her dog. Your wife found the dog. She went around, tried to find the rightful owner. Couldn't find them, turned it over to animal control, and so this woman is complaining about her doing that. Exactly. <laughs> apparently, like, she she, she, had, she had made claims that she had, like, lawyers on retainer and all this other crap, but haven't heard anything back from her for about nine months, so I guess it's a mute issue. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a mute issue for sure, but that, that, that just goes to show you there's the litigation mentality in our society is out of control. I'm just telling you, it's no, out of control. No, absolutely, absolutely. That's the first thing that she did. She's like, "Well, uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to sue you." He's like, "Well, like, I mean, uh, good luck taking with what I got, man. Like, I'm at it." <laughs> All right, we appreciate your call. That's just somebody trying to use the court system as a lottery, aren't they? It sounds like it. Yeah, you know. Uh, there are crazy suits filed all the time. For the most part, they get thrown out. Not always, not always, but for the most part, that's a crazy. That would have been a crazy yeah. suit. Yeah, you know, you lose. You let your dog get away. Right. Somebody ap- tries to do the right thing. This is her. No right. No good deed goes, goes unpunished. unpunished. Right. Right. You know, and the dog has almost been run over, and you try to you go around to different houses. You. You try to find the right house, you you can't, you turn it over to animal control because 
you figure if the dog has disappeared, the uh, rightful owner will call the pound that's right, that's right. and ask if you've got a blah, blah, blah looking dog. And uh, they didn't do that. And then all of a sudden, I guess they found out the dog was at the pound. And the pound uh, held on to the dog, and they were charging them to board the dog. Well, and, you know, you as a general matter, you can't get in trouble if you call some form of law enforcement. And the pound yeah. is a type of law enforcement. So you call the law enforcement and say, look, there's a stray dog. Uh, I, meaning a dog whose owner I cannot ascertain. Can yeah. you please take possession of this dog? And if they do, you're, you, you generally— Get it off the street. Yeah, you, I'm all about that. You you generally don't face liability. You could face a lawsuit, but but in the end, you generally don't face liability. That's crazy. Yeah, that's just that that is that's that's really really uh, mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. I had uh, I'm going to suggest you read a story, and I I just told uh, Robert about it. He's got to read this story. Um, you may remember a few years back about a multimillionaire down in Miami who was having sex, the FBI says they had the goods on this guy, with underage girls. And they were getting ready to arrest him. Well, they didn't because the prosecutor and the defendant the different the two lawyers got together and came to a mutual agreement and evidently it becomes legal if the judge agrees to allow it to stand and so they allowed it to stand but it is the most wild it's the wildest deal you've ever heard robert we'll talk we'll about to take a look it. we're going to talk yeah. about it on um, on monday because uh, so go. I'm going to give you some uh, some um, you know homework. Exactly. Yeah. You know, go to today's go to, homework was the dog case. Yeah. Run to run to Drudge. Go to Drudge, right. and uh, it's like on the third page. Just look for it and read because it's disgusting what happened. Mm-hmm. They had the they had the goods on this guy. He was going to go to jail for ever. I pulled up Drudge as you were telling me about this, and I only got to the first story, and it seems like there's some dispute between. Uh, Stormy Daniels and uh, the lawyer now. Yeah, what's the name? Av- uh, just, Avante uh, or whatever uh, his name uh, is. Avanati. Avanati. Yeah. Uh, is that it? Uh, Avanati. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. No mindo is what it's really. <laughs> so apparently, she's saying that he's raising all this money on the one of those websites where you raise money. GoFundMe. GoFundMe, and she's not seeing any of it. <laughs> so. We just talked about GoFundMe today, didn't we, Russ? Yeah. There was a there were three people, mm-hmm. two guys and a girl. Oh yeah, I know this story. Okay, and yeah. about the, the big big the, scam, the, the home the homeless yeah, vet. They pretended right? he was a homeless vet, and they were helping him out, and it was working out. They yeah. had over eight hundred thousand dollars, of course. And the girl blew the whistle on the other two guys because they were only going to give her seventy five k. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so she turned she turned uh, witness against them. And now all of them are out any money, and all of them are cooling their heels in jail. You've got to be careful with I, these scams. I, I, brought really it, I brought this up because Ford, the, guy, the lady who brought the uh, charges against Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. had a GoFundMe account, right. 800 and something thousand dollars. Is that right? That much? And she paid for her all of her special people that mm-hmm. were going to protect her and all of that. But she had $650,000 left. Wow. 
Wow. Now, from what I've understood reading, she could have kept that because the people gave the money to her. Mm-hmm. It's a way to go. Yeah, that's a way to make some money yeah. fast. If people, if you can get them thinking that, I guess, you're left or on the right and you're, right. you're fighting for the cause or whatever, just know that that person could be scamming the living tar out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking wow. your money. You've got to be very careful. Look, that's things. no different than the guy who stands on the street corner that's right. with the piece of cardboard. Yeah, they just get a lot more money. Yeah, yeah a whole lot right. more money, you gotta evidently. You've got to keep your eyes open for these things. Very, I'm very skeptical of all these things. I'm a bit of a cynic when it comes to these things. Well, me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me, and it's unfortunate because there too. are people in need, and sometimes they, they seek to uh, get help. But I'm very, very skeptical, and I, and I think people should generally be. And be cynical about right. everyone that says something about a... Um, New business, yeah. all right? Yeah. When you listen to my show and I talk about somebody doing that, you know they're legit, yeah. all right? Yeah. Because I, I know the people personally, and I can tell you they're legit. Tim yeah. Lim and and uh, Mitch Breitweiser, two, two cases that happened to start new comics and things of that nature. All that money is being used exactly the way it was supposed to be used. And, it, and you're all getting your special deals that, you bring so, you you put so much money in, you get special stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you for coming in, sir. It's always we, my pleasure. You, I thought the way they said about this due process, it was for the dog. Yeah, because it, that's the way the headlines. Written. Yeah, of course. Well, that's what sells papers. Yeah, well, yeah. Man bites dog. Exactly. What can I say? All right. Exactly. We got to take a break tomorrow. J.R. Davis is on the uh, right view. Our uh, women's panel will be here, and we'll have a special. Are you ready for this? Liberal guests being on as well. I'll see you then. Two o'clock tomorrow on the Dave Ellswick Show. God bless.